What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and joining me today is Enigmatic from the Enigmatic Entertainment Conglomerate in the Making. Then there's the Immortal Being Music Group he's part of, and he's be doing shows on the internet, and he's doing all kinds of moves and whatnot. So this is the show, though, where we talk to interesting people such as yourselves, and we walk through the story of your life, and we extract a couple of knowledge nuggets along the way for the fine people out there. And this is my new efforts of trying this standing up. So it's a little guinea pig episode to see how it goes when I'm not sitting. But I was like, yo, I could be getting like calories doing this shit. <laughs> or burning calories, I should say. I digress. To start this off proper though, Mr. Enigmatic, can you let the people know where you start your life? Because trust, the story is going way back. So that's what's really important for the very proper opening question is that you could let us know just the very beginning part of your life where that takes place. Shit, man. The very beginning takes place in uh, Mississauga, Ontario. That's where I was born. Fine. Like the very, very beginning of that fire because that's where it all starts with the opening question and it's a little bit of a story right and we're gonna like go through it and when it lands we're gonna start talking and then we're gonna talk more about you so it all starts with my girlfriend and she'd be washing the dishes one time and she got her phone open and she's playing that black eyed piece on the i got a feeling and then she's vibing she's dancing she's doing her thing and i have this epiphany i'm like yo when in the fuck did this song become chores music, right? Because if you think about that track, you run that shit back about 10, 11 years. That shit's middle of the night. Everybody drunk vibing music. You run it now. A decade or so goes by. Everybody gets a little bit older. The song, it doesn't change at all because it's a song. But at the end of the day, the context that surrounds the song and the environment in our lives evolves so much that now the song has gone from party music to chores music and that got me thinking. so it's like i got me thinking about music and journeys and times and whatnot i got me thinking about the little ones the 20 year olds out there as they do in their drills and they be vibing out to their stuff and how they don't know how in a decade what they party to is going to be the soundtrack to their music and what they also don't know is that when i heard pop smoke I wash dishes to pop smoke now. That's just how it goes in the cycle of life. But with the journeys and the way that things kind of evolve based on where you're at in life, it got me thinking about all the phases of life that happen, right? And when you talk to most artists and you watch most interviews and stuff, you kind of see how most people start this around the adolescent age. Like, yo, I got into hip hop when I was 12 or I started writing at this age or et cetera, et cetera. Because that's when we start to form our identities with music and it becomes more personal and it feels Feels like it's the most interesting part but really the whole thing starts a lot earlier like when you come out the womb in mississauga in some hospital there's a good chance that there's a speaker playing in that room and there's even a song playing i don't expect you to remember that but it probably was being absorbed by you at that point so with that it got me thinking about our younger days like i can remember being like five years old up inside of montreal and my dad in the apartment, he's got the gray boxes, the amp and the preamp and the tape deck and the radio and everything's got the wires going everything out to the speakers and everything, busting his Led Zeppelins and his rocks and stuff during the day. And at night it was all the MC Mario club mixes and stuff straight from the, the mix 96s and whatnots that we had over the airways. My mom's, it was more like soft rock and, and the love songs and the musicals and a whole different kind of vibe. And that was like the sounds of me growing up before 
before I had any control over anything. So I was hoping, Mr. Enigmatic, you could bring us as far back as you could remember and walk us through a little bit what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over the sounds in your life. Well, shit, man, like you were saying, like with your dad and your mom, how they were rocking with all that, like that rock, like the, uh, the rock and roll music. That was like my dad, man. Like my dad was rocking stuff that usually when I bring it up to people, nobody's heard of it. Like, uh, he was rocking like the Bay City Rollers, man. Like I was rocking the Partridge family. I was rocking the Partridge family. Yeah, man. Like my mom was heavy in love with David Cassidy of the Partridge family. So like that one was hella, hella playing like my entire time growing up. Yeah, I think a lot of my mom liked him too. <laughs> so like he was one of those heartthrobs of his era. Heartthrobs were like real impactful to people. It doesn't come up that often, oh, yeah. but yeah, like I'm saying, nah. I know my mom loved Grease because she was really into John Travolta. Dude, Grease Lightning, man, that's one of my favorite tracks out there. It's a banger. Um, that whole movie, dude. So, like, when you were young, was, like, music a big part of your household? Like, was, like, always a okay. was it Yeah, like- man. And my grandma, she's, uh, like, you know, like, for lack of a better term, she's, like, a gypsy Newfie musician. Like, you know, out in Nova Scotia, across Quebec, you know, we were, when we were younger, we'd travel with her, like, in her uh, RV. And she would just, like, set up shop outside, like, Zeller's, you know, at the time, Walmart, that kind of stuff. And dude, we would just chill, and she would just pedal these uh, these Newfie CDs, and just walk away with like fat stacks of cash. I still to this day don't know how that Newfie stuff sold that hard. It was a funny time, man. Hold up. So you're saying that when you was a little one, your mom was doing the out the trunk mixtape game in front of your face? My grandma, man. Oh, sorry, my grandma, grandma my still. Bad. Yeah, man. That's fire. <laughs> Out the trunk uh, mixtape game. She still does it in like her 70s now. I guess you could play that flea market game if you really know where you're coming from. You really know where to move it. And I suppose depending on your genre of music, it might still be a hot game. <laughs> Dude, the flea market for her, man. Yeah, out here, like the St. Jacob's Farmer's Market. When I was little, every Saturday, man, every Saturday morning, I was out there for hours and hours while she'd plug away on the piano, sing, you know, going with the foot pedals on the piano. It was wicked. That's wild. So, yo, what is the craziest flea market slash thing story you got from that era? What's, like, the craziest thing you've seen people, like, peddling? Dude, like, shit, man. Like, I still go to that flea market today, and there's usually some funny ones. Like, there was one guy out there who played, like, uh, he played, like, on the pan flute. You know, the one where they're all lined up to the side, and you're like, dude, there was a master of the pan flute out there for so long. You know, it's it's heavy, heavy, heavy Amish country, like Mennonite country. So, like, most of the farm, like, the market is like that. So, when I was little, you know, like, they'd want to talk to me and stuff. But, you know, now, like, when I walk into the market and I'm looking like this, they think that, like, I, they just try to avoid me and walk away as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize that community was that heavy out in Ontario. Oh, yeah, man, especially, like, where we are, like, that St. Jacob's area, that is entirely, like, uh, Amish and Mennonite-driven. I'm not 100% certain where St. Jacob's is, to be honest. It's, like, dude, like, if you've been to Waterloo, man, it's, like, 10 minutes out. Like, it's right it's right by Waterloo. Okay, I sort of know where Waterloo is. Like, on a map, I kind of, I know where Kitchener is a lot more than I know where Waterloo yeah, no, is. So like, it's like, 
right near there it's so it's so close to it it's so nice but that that's what's funny man like i ended up in this area and i was born in mississauga my grandma was already dragging me out here every weekend i didn't even know i was going to spend a lot of a lot more time out here <laughs> i wonder if there's like a correlation like your grandma like planted these seeds when you were young and all these great memories and it was like this attraction to this part of the world like just brought you there yeah man and the music like that's that's one thing i always remember growing up was it was either you know grinding away at hockey or i was with nan and nan was peddling her music i was in nova scotia she was peddling her music it was a it was a wild time growing up and so you were into hockey and you guys was all music hustlers was you up to anything else when you were little no nah, man that was music hockey uh Honestly, I think that's, you know, that's what I was when I was little. That's what I am when I grew up. Hell, man, Pokemon. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. Of course, those were. Dude, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh still to this day stand strong. Those ones, you can't fuck with them. Um, that's fair. Uh, I'm, I have a harder time with Pokemon. And, and I'm not going to lie, I missed the Yu-Gi-Oh train. The anime was not that good to me. And I didn't have the card <laughs> game to go with. But I watched people play the card game. And they made it look real fun. And I like how they used giant ass numbers so everything felt so dramatic when you came. Dude, out. I'm one of those people in the Pokemon era that if you want me to slap down that card game, I ain't got no clue what's going on. Uh, in the Pokemon <laughs> era, I was all about, yo, know, like just blue and red and then gold and silver and just playing those games yeah, to death. Oh god, I and then when they rebranded them, Fire Red, Soul Silver, all that stuff, dude. Oh, I I played those ones as well hard. I did too. I had Soul Silver. I went heavy on it. It was Black Two was where the problem came. My Nintendo DS yeah. was in my pocket with my Black Two. I had just transferred all the legendaries from Black to Black Two. You know how it goes. It's gone. It wasn't in my pocket no more. Oh, no. I couldn't play Pokemon again for the rest of... Like, I can't do it, man. It was like... Because you know how it is. That's like eight years of, like, yeah. carrying shit over. And, and then it just... And then in a moment, it's gone. There's no cloud. Not a, I feel that all the way from here, man. So, like, when you were... Uh, at what point then, um, like, do you start to get into music more for, like, yourself? Like, do you remember at all like maybe what your first favorite song was when it wasn't so much your parents or whatever but it was like your kind of became attached Yo, to it the first one was definitely almost easy by avenge sevenfold that was the first track and do you remember how you Fucking got exposed to it like how it came into your life yeah man uh like that one i remember was like big like because like in my in my household it was just like what my parents listened to right and then uh then do you remember rock band yes dude rock band dropped and like that 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 changed my life man like instantly i was playing like because I, I i loved music before that but then like when that dropped like you know i was i would always shred guitar hero but i was shit i just i couldn't do it and then and then that dropped and then like fucking the drums were there and i was like yo what's this wizardry and i started smacking the drums and that's when i found out that like that was that's what i had to do like everybody in my life was guitar 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 and i was not meant to play guitar man like my hands my fingers don't work like that like these sausage fingers are too fat for a guitar man and i i, I never had skinny fingers they've always been fat so 
like when I started playing drums, I was like, shit, like I just gotta, I just gotta hit like right there. And from hockey, like my hand-eye coordination was great. Like I, I already loved that. So looking down, you know, you can smack whatever direction on a drum you want. Mm. Whereas like playing, playing guitar, I'd have to sit there and like stare at my fingers like that. And like, I had no idea what the hell was going on, man. And even then I couldn't, I couldn't hit the right note. I, I had just learned to play bass, like actual bass, when Rock Band drops, and I couldn't play the, the, there was too few buttons. It was like, what the fuck? I don't know how to adapt to the five buttons here. And I just kept like fucking, got the drums. Oh, nah, I have my place in Rock Band. I think we had the Guitar Hero World Tour though. So that was the one with the two cymbals and the three instead of the Rock yeah, Band score. Dude, that's the, I went crazy on all of them. And what sucked with Guitar Hero, man, was it wasn't like, it wasn't like my whole friend group like really sucked. Like two of my friends, like my best friends, were like the Korean kids that would like smack the first note on through the fire and the flames, and then just smack the guitar afterwards like that. I had two of those buddies that would just go crazy on Guitar Hero, like they were just unbelievable. And then I would sit down and I'd like. I'd fail the song in like a minute and they'd be like, oh, give me the fucking guitar. They'd snatch it back. And I was like, oh, man, fuck this. Game. <laughs> so how, how old are you when you got uh, rock band? Oh, shit, man. Uh, my memory is foggy. I think that dropped in like 2007. So I might have been like 11. I might have been like 10, like that age. Okay. So at that point, and then, uh, you got like the rock band, but you also then are one of the youngs that got to more or less have access to YouTube around then too. Dude, all the Weird Al, man. Oh my God. That, that was a disgusting amount of Weird Al I'd listened to when, when it was all out. Cause like in my house, like I was saying, man, it, it was never like the, uh, like the, like my dad knew, like I, I knew one Eminem song, man. That's all I knew. The first time I heard anybody, I was just talking about this the other night, actually, which is funny, because the first time I ever heard, like, the N-word get dropped in Music Man, that was Kanye West Gold Digger. And think about when that came out. Like, I, dude, I probably heard that when I was, like, nine. And I just, like, froze, man. I was, like, a deer in headlights. And I was, like, yo, we got to turn this off, man. Because <laughs> I was just listening to so much, like, Queen and stuff. I was just, like, Justin, man. I was, like, no, we got to that turned this off, man. And because, like, my dad listened to, like, Lose Yourself was obviously the song that he knew. And other than that, like, it was the Queen, it was the Boston, the Chicago, the, all that stuff. So when that, when that one hit, I was like, I was like, damn, dude, we got to get this one off quick. <laughs> yeah, but what's super nifty is, if I'm not mistaken, what you were going to is, like, because you grew up with all the classics, Weird Al fucked you up. Yeah, dude. And it was, it was funny because, like, the Michael Jackson tracks would hit. And then, like, you'd hear, like, uh, him do, like, the fat, like, you know, I'm fat. That one would yeah. hit, and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> no, it really was. Um, you know what? I have to say I have a group. I, I, don't, I never think about how much I liked Weird Al as a teenager. Like, I didn't know him before <laughs> then, but he really had this, like, wave. And then, like, the polka tracks would come out and kind of, like, fuse all these different shits together that you wouldn't expect. And, like... Nah, I, I get where you're coming from. I listened to a lot of those classic jams. And then it would make me like go back and look up the original songs because it was kind of not always available yeah. for me. So like, I think that's wild that you bring him up. So is he like an early favorite for you? Yeah, man, especially for the YouTube era. Like, like man, I think it took, God, years and years and years and years after I heard Amish Paradise to even hear Gangster's Paradise. I didn't, I didn't even know what that was, man. 
white and nerdy like what's what's the track white and nerdy uh it's ride, ride dirty, and nerdy that's yeah man again years and years and years until i heard that one it was just i was so addicted to weird al for a period it was funny that makes sense so like were you like just what did you have YouTube when you were like single digit ages and shit? Like, were you like in elementary school with YouTube? Yeah, man, like I, I, I had YouTube, like, because my dad, like, when, like, in Mississauga, like, I didn't touch a computer because I was, like, you know, young. But then, like, when we moved out this way, I was seven. And then, like, my dad had his little office. And then, like, at seven, eight, like, I was watching YouTube, you know, playing RuneScape, you know, listening to the Nickelback in the background, all that stuff. How far did you get in RuneScape? Oh, dude, you, you, that's questions that don't need to be answered. Like, for my you were state. one of those dudes that would be like, all right, I'm at level 49 mining. I'm going to sit here in front of the computer for the next 14 hours mining that one resource. Dude, when I got older, man, like sometimes with World of Warcraft, like especially when I'd be smoking and like I just have like metal on beside me, I'd play for like 32 hours sometimes, man. Like, I got, like, I got to really, like, you know, I want to do it, and I sit and I do it mentality. Sometimes it really screws me over, you know, 32 hours of World of Warcraft isn't really good for anybody. I don't advocate that, but. (laughs) I think a lot of people did that, though, when World of Warcraft dropped. Like, when that came out, yeah, a lot of people got heavy into it, because it was a really weird time in gaming, because there was no internet to help you. You just had to spend 32 hours figuring shit out and whatever. Yeah, man, and some of it's like the finest little detail that you know you think you thought you read over it sixty times, and then you go back to sixty first, and you're like, "I'm a moron." <laughs> yeah. Um. So basically, you got the YouTube when you're young. So you're just able to just cruise whatever music you want from like about that age without like any limitations, because basically everything's available. Yeah, man it was it was a blast like the early ones were like you know uh like and it's weird like rock band really like that track list like that because obviously the stuff on like guitar hero 3 you know like those ones you know i knew most of the tracks it was older stuff my dad knew it but then when rock bands you know smoked down it was more uh it was a lot more metal and like you know bands i never heard of so i just got addicted to you know like pulling up like you know blue oyster cult like that kind of stuff i got addicted to you know uh disturbed like i was like yo what is this madness when i heard that because you know on the same on the same note dude when my nan my grandma you know this one that toured around man when she heard uh when she heard disturbed for the first time you know she she told me to turn the devil music off (laughs) <laughs> like that's my family man so like that that heavy stuff was never in my household and i got to I, yeah turn that devil music off like the literal one. what's up bionic pixie and yo i missed that what's up next apollo 21 welcome to the stream <laughs> so you have the youtube era you're able to explore the whole landscape of music and you have all the time in the world to do so because you're like 10 yeah man but that's where I got myself trapped in a loop where I found albums that I was just so in love with that, like, I would loop albums, man, like, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Like, my, before hip-hop, like, my, uh, like, my, my, uh, my circle of artists I would listen to was like this. Like, it was really, like, you know, like, it would be across the board, but it would be, like, you know, one song from this guy, one song from this guy, one song from this guy. Was there like a social element to music in your high schools and whatnot? Were y'all like 
bopping around and uh, talking about it or was it more of like a personal thing for you yeah it was more of like i had a buddy like i still have that buddy eddie he always comes by and uh he we were talking you know throughout high school he loved the metal i loved metal but you know that's where like it, i wasn't listening to a lot of it but you know like uh shit i mean i don't even know it came out but like a lot of you know like little wayne drake i heard the tracks man there were some that i fell you know obviously in love with like what's oh what's that one track by uh drake and little wayne oh i can't remember it it's uh like those two dropped on 2009 yeah, like they have a lot of dude songs. you gotta get that uh you gotta get that, uh, like, what's that guy's name on Joe Rogan, where he, like, searches shit up in the corner. Well, like... Um, what is it? Whenever um, it's done, my girlfriend's kind of half there for that purpose. She's like, I could see her. She's there. Shut up, Dude, buddy. right above it. Oh, right above it. The one from the sports show. That was the one from Ballers, right? I think so, yeah, man. That was that was a sick one. And then one I really, really fell in love with was... Uh, that ain't classy by classified. You know that one? Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. When that dropped, I was all about that shit. Yeah, dude, that's a sick track. Not too many Americans out there know about that. Yo, y'all go check that. That's a really sick one. That's classified. Canadian treasure. One of the best, man. One of the best. But um, so you're in high school then. Um, let's say, are you like getting at some point? Do you start to get like more interested in creating music, or are you still just kind of a fan and running that sports game? At that point, yeah, like it was like at that point, like when I was 16, I started writing a book, and that was like like that. Yeah, man, that book is big. Like that's a big fucking big hoofer of a book. It's it's uh shit. I don't remember the pages, but I remember uh, this is a, this is this always sticks in my mind. Like the book is one hundred and ten thousand words, and the first Harry Potter is about seventy eight thousand. So like it's a big book, and like I edited it like time and time and time again. Like I paid a good uh, chunk of money, and then like when I was older, somebody like a buddy of mine recommended uh you know put all these words into music because like you know i played drums like you know like you're saying like in high school that was it man like drumming 100 percent. it wasn't so much music you wrote a book yeah 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 that one that one's on the back burner it has been for a few years uh ever since i started like my very first 16 i haven't opened the file again because uh that that was a lot of a lot of weight uh the market for authors is much more like uh it's much smaller especially when you have like you know like you know the the next lord of the rings hopefully when it's that kind of deal like you know it's it's a very niche market you either get picked up or you don't and uh and i was losing my mind and like the guy that the guy that yeah was coming over he was just like yo write a 16 and i was like yeah i might try that because like the book the book is amazing i love it but it's a book about i'm sorry we gotta talk about your book because that's fire that's like that's a story it follows like uh it's a cool when i I gotta figure out how to describe it like not like i'm so high but like uh it's a book where like early age conscription kind of hits like this one little area because there's like a you know like a but it's it's old school fantasy man and like early age conscription hits because there's you know not enough people to you know man the armies and whatnot 
And then it just kind of sends like this one kid that like kind of, you know, has been waiting for his destiny moment onto like this spiraling story, not the one that, you know, you'd ever think is going to happen. Like sometimes for the twists and turns, I'd sit down for like two weeks. I'd, I'd do shrooms. I'd do a mass amount of mushrooms and like, you know, just kind of like contemplated in my head while I was high. And then like, you know, come out of it. And I'm like, this is the twist. I'm like, this right here is the twist. And I, it would be hilarious. And I would just... Like, I would just be writing and writing and writing. Some of it, when I go back, man, like, it's been so long. When I write it, I'm like, yo, I'm like, uh, who who wrote this? It wasn't me. It's it's sick. I'm going to get uh, the guy that I, in my duo, Liam, he's uh, he's much more of a wordsmith than I am. Like, I think he he's, he's one in a million, one in a billion, man. He's crazy. And he's going to go back through for another round and uh, smoke up, you know, the editing, you know, give it a bit more flair here and there. And then we're going to one one plan I had when we started the label, like was, you know, it's not just the label, you know, enigmatic electronic entertainment was I want to get some publishing done. I really want to because that's an that's an area I know a lot about is uh, getting books like, you know, getting books made, getting books made right. Not, you know, like some piece of shit like that's that's what I was doing before any of this music stuff was I was working in a print shop. So like for for like a chunk of my books, like I got like I think 30 of them one day and I only paid like a bottle of whiskey for them. <laughs> Hold up. So you know the ins and outs of the print shop industry. Oh god, yeah, man. I could tell you like if you brought me a book and it looked wrong, I could tell you exactly what the hell the guys did wrong with it. <laughs> that's wild. and that's where like that shit is so meticulous and that's where like you know it's that process that i learned working with like you know world war ii era german machinery a lot of it's german man and a lot of it you know like lefty to uh lefty lucy righty tighty you know that shit ain't lefty lucy righty tighty man it's righty tighty lefty lucy or whatever yeah, the vice versa yeah. right that's it yeah yeah so, so when you go between the machines in the workshop, you know, you, you'd be like, you know, you'd be like stumbling around and then you'd be like looking at the machine and you'd be like, shit, is this one the left or the right to tighten it? You don't want to run away too fast. <laughs> no, I hear that. I would get real fucked up having to work on machines that had it all like not the directions I'm accustomed to. But that's wild. Yeah, man. So like you have one of those books that's like those like back in the day times when it was like you would get the five part series or like Terry Goodkind or one of those motherfuckers and the little dude yeah. would run through like a million adventures while the world happens around him. And then at the end, he's the superhero dude that saves the day. Dude, but that's like the thing, man, like that superhero thing that saves the day. Like that's not ever been like my life. So like the book, like they, it takes turns. Like, I don't, okay. like, dude, I'm going to say like, straight up, like going into the future. Like, I don't even know, like if the lead character I have is the lead character by the end of this, like he might, he might not be kicking it by then, man. <laughs> that's wild. One, one book might end with one character's eyes closing and the next book might open with the next character's eyes. You know, the first breath from a new character, your new lead, stuff like that, man. Like, I don't want, I don't want conventional stuff. But to be fair, that's also mad classic fucking fantasy. Yeah, I mean, because, like, especially if it's going to be something that, you know, if the twists are going to work out and the turns are going to work out, you got to you gotta have expendable characters within there. Yeah, you have to kill somebody. Somebody has to die in fantasy for it to be like, you got to have that. Sometimes. It's just the rules of it all. 
So basically, you're doing this whole book thing, and that's your consumption. And like, you're gonna be an author, man. You're running life. You grind in and out the print shop, and then your man's is like drop a sixteen. And when did this happen? This pivotal drop a sixteen. Dude, this pivotal one happened like not even too many years ago, man. Like 2018. Because, mm. like I was saying, like before that, man. Like I like writing. I wanted to write. Like I wanted to write a book, but with music, I was doing drumming. Like I never, I never thought of you know jumping, jumping to be like the leading man. Like I, I, I like a lot of drummers throughout history. Like you know, I like a lot of singers, guitar players, whatnot. But the drummers are the ones that like really really hit me especially the ones who you know like kind of revolutionized what they were doing that that was really really cool shit um yo shut up preach for the host sorry i heard the dingling again sometimes that shit be throwing you off when you're doing your stream you're like listening you're like dingling oh yeah i'm live on switch so were you like actively in bands and stuff while you was doing your drumming I, no i just did it with a lot of buddies because like um like more of the stuff that i was doing uh like the metal that i like uh in our area it was much more of the uh like the emo screamo metal which like i'm not opposed to like but if if i like if i if i want to listen to screaming like i really want there to be some nice clean vocals in there and around here like you know like there were only a few bands I liked. There, there's still bands I listened to, man. But like, they, they were never ones where I would have ever like. They, they had their drummers. They knew what was good, and like, you know, like there, I, I wasn't like, you know, I, I would drum on my own a lot because, yeah, man, like I, I love, I love hockey. Like that's what I was doing a lot of, you know, playing a lot of goalie, you know, three, four times on the ice per week, and uh, playing drums in the background because that's what I loved, man. My neighbors didn't, you know, my family probably didn't love it. Nobody else loved it, but when I was on the <laughs> it was fun. That's wild. So you just you're you're a book writing, drumming, hockey playing dude who works in a print shop, fucking meticulously learning how to use German machines to do book making correctly, learning all about that <laughs> shit. The worst part about the German machines is like also trying to decipher those without even knowing German, man. Because some of their the diagrams are so bad. Oh my god. <laughs> Yo, the barber. If you watch this, that's our German producer. No, no, no uh, shade to the Germans. The machines are just kind of wonky, man. They work good, but they're wonky as fuck. <laughs> Probably from another time, man. But um, I don't know anything about print shops. Either way. So to this, this, uh, this question right here for which authors, you know, hardcore J.K. Rowling, that Harry Potter world, and just how how like detailed every single little detail in that world, I was, I was captivated. I was like, holy shit, like this is this is legendary. Like the smallest smallest little stuff, just instantly, like you know, like is. Yeah, you know, you can you can read Lord of the Rings, but you got to really like you got to set some time aside if you're going to read that. Like that is a lot of like over nah, bro, uh, Let's be real. Not Lord of the Rings is book. fucking work. Nobody needs 3 pages on elf bread. I'm not making that That's up. It, yeah. The elf bread is Overly 3 fucking pages long. Yeah, that that's the issue with that one. Like, you know, fuck me, man. Like, I don't, I can't remember the Narnia, like the Narnia series. Who wrote that at the moment? Uh, you know, let me. Fuck Narnia. Is... Let me look this up real quick. Uh, that's by uh, 
Where, who's the author? Oh, yeah, C.S. Lewis. That's it. That's it. I mean, I hear you. Some people love the Alfred thing. I bring that up. It's super polarizing. But for me, it was like not my favorite part of Lord. Like, I did. Once we got past the first half of the first book, I feel like Lord of the Rings starts to pick up. But the first half of the first book was very hard for me. Dude, that's like that's like where like you know artists will release like their album and then they'll have the deluxe. Like there really should have been like a, a Lord of the Rings version for everybody who ain't willing to invest weeks and weeks of their life to read it. <laughs> but um, no, that's fair. C.S. Lewis's world. I've never read it. I just um. I just fucking played uh, the video games and I watched the Disney movie, but I don't think I ever read their shit. The which one? The Narnia. Uh yeah, that one. And then the Narnia one, like the first book, is so trippy because you know obviously like the kids they just stumble into the wardrobe, right? Dude, like oh man, my memory is so bad. But basically, like there's a land of like. A thousand portals, man. And that's and Narnia is just one of the portals among the thousand. And the kids like stumble into this and to get away from, I believe, like the wicked witch. Dude, I could just be making this up in my head, but there's oh, a thousand definitely portals. Definitely a wicked witch, also. That part yeah. or at least a frozen a bunch of frozen people somewhere. Yeah. I think they go into her world, pop back into the thousand worlds, like the world with a thousand portals, and then they bring her to Narnia, and then that's what how it all starts, or something like that. Man, it's a crazy prelude to the to the actual story, but you gotta read it. And it's you know it's like a little thin one, like you can get baked and read that in an afternoon. It's a nice little fun read, but oh, I'm probably not giving the story justice. But it's uh, a it's a really cool. I've one. only ever heard good things about the C.S. Lewis stuff from like the books. I've never heard a yeah. person say bad things about them. Because they're like they're like the uh, the writing is crazy and it's not so overly descriptive that like if you really just want to read like a really dope piece of literature in an afternoon, every single book is like that thin. There's like eight of them, but you can crush them all like in a week if you just want some light reading, just some nice fun. You know, you don't have to look up words because you know this author is using a thesaurus and shit like that. Like smooth reading, smooth smooth reading. Dude, you know, like in the Friends episode with Joey, like when he when he uses the thesaurus, when he has to give like Monica and Chandler the uh, the, the the adoption letter, and he says like from my from my large hearted like aortic pump or something like that, and she's like, "What's that?" And he's like, "That means my uh, my heart." And then it says something like "little monkey" at the end. She's like, "What's that?" And he's like, "Oh, that's oh no." He signs it "little kangaroo." She's like, "What's that?" And he's like, "It's Joey." <laughs> That's fucking <laughs> That's hilarious. But um so you're running all of that and then you get to the point where you in twenty eighteen are like, nah, we're gonna start rapping now because the drummer heroes and stuff are there, but then your boy pressures you into writing a sixteen. Dude, and he like he introduced me like because you know I heard I heard a few tracks you know but I never really sat down to really like listen to hip hop the way that I I loved metal I I would listen to stuff like you know like uh like the point of no return immortal technique like I love that track um, obviously uh, Fort Minor you know with uh, Mike Shinoda I love that. There were there was a lot of tracks that like sprinkled out, but then I sat down to that immortal technique. Um, oh, what's the uh, the revolutionary volume two or whatever like that, man? 
and I sat to that album and I crushed it and I hit I, I hit uh Dance of the Devil and that track man when I hit when I hit that I was so high when I listened to that and something just like clicked and I was like this is like I was like I was like I can write like because I, I had like you know like a little 16 under my belt but then I heard Dance of the Devil and I was like this is something different from anything I've ever heard in hip hop I was like where do I keep going from here and then I got like you know my buddies like you know listen to R.A. the Rugged Man and I listened to R.A. the Rugged Man then I, then like you know I'm listening to R.A. the Rugged Man and I'm going through tracks then I find uh then I find Ill Bill and then I'm like, shit, well, what the hell? I look up Ill Bill. Ill Bill has a brother, Necro. I'm like, whoa, Necro slays horrorcore. And man, it was just a snowball that never ended. Like, listening to that first Immortal Technique one was just insane. That's wild. And it's wild how, like, it almost feels like an algorithm in the way that you described it. Like, I could almost feel like a recommended bar pointing you in the next direction. <laughs> dude i could keep going like that just keep spiraling and spiraling like so many different artists like i and that's what it was like you know in metal and rock especially you know like there's like there's tracks out there you know where it's like uh like a collab you know like you bring in the singer you bring in this but like when i started really digging in and diving into like what hip-hop albums were and what they were composed of and seeing like the like just the amount of features in it i was like i was really interested i was like this is this is something else like i've never you know like dude i i like i like you know old rock i like metal i like symphonic metal i like all of it but there's never that collaboration effort i've never seen that before and so like you know i, I obviously knew like, like you know, between like bands and stuff right like yeah you're not gonna bring two drummers right like you're not gonna bring two good like you're not gonna line up four guitar players and like obviously you know you can get the lead singer in, you can get you know that kind of collaboration but if if the lead singer comes to collab and he's like yo i want to bring my drummer then one one singer just has to be like yo buddy you gotta go and then he's like well i don't want to leave this is my band (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i know it's like happened before but like when i think about it it's like really fucking rare like it's not a common thing there's and then you know in in metal and uh all of that it's more like more 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 uh you got you create a project you know like you bring a drummer you bring the guitar players from this band you create your sub project like that uh you know there's obviously ones like uh like david bowie and queen right like under pressure like those kind of things where it's not so much like uh like a feature but that's like a heavy 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 david bowie collab you know what i mean right and then like i get over i get over here to, to like this this genre and i find like like nobody's heard of these guys man but snow goons out in germany they're this unbelievable german production collective and like when I first got tuned in with their album, because they're a production collective, like one of them, Sick Nature, he raps. Uh, but like, holy shit! I go, I started going through that, and I was like, I was like, there's too many artists here, and that's why you know now I have the Spotify playlist where one of them's at ten thousand and the other one's at one thousand because I hit the limit on the first one. <laughs> Wait, there's a limit. <laughs> Yeah, man, there's a limit to how many songs you can download as well. Afterwards, every time you open Spotify, it just kindly reminds you that you cannot download any more songs unless you delete the downloaded songs you already have. So the limit <laughs> of songs on a playlist is 1,000? 10,000. 10,000. That's, 10, that's 000. the absolute... 
I heard rumors. I heard rumors about ten thousand, and then I got there and I tried to add, you know, ten thousand and one, and it it said no, don't do that. Wild. <laughs> okay, that's that's still that's still like a big playlist volume. It gives me like some insight into what's possible then, because like, I guess I assumed there was a limit, but I never thought of anyone trying to like do that. Like, why do you have ten thousand songs on a playlist? I mean, I don't. Well, first of all, like everything that I, because like with hip hop, I was going through and like oh, you know, okay. like with when you do it for so, like obviously when some artists do it for so long, you know, they have that engraved sound, and it's not, it's not like uh, rock and metal and all that stuff where you know you have to kind of be diverse as a band on an album and sometimes you know you have like really really low hitting songs and like the album sucks in general but then they have this one track that just absolutely just you know top the charts and shit like that but then i came over here and i'm like you know i'm looking around and uh and it, shit man i'm so high i forgot my point while i was in the middle of it what was i saying about how um 10,000 songs because you were adding everything and hip hop oh, catalogs and sounds. Yeah, man, sorry. So like uh when you get over there like you know, it's a it's vice versa because you have producers and producers when they get so deep in their game, you just have like, you know, like the alchemist, like uh Stoop the Enemy of Mankind, like uh mm, I keep in mind everyone. Uh, this is like 2018-19 that you're coming into all of this. So these guys is like they got decades yeah so i was like i was going through this and like i i've grinded the discographies of like just producers man 38 special um oh shit man there's so many in the underground that are just what, a 38 special like, producer yeah man yeah yeah he, I, to, I know he raps so many i didn't know he does producing yeah man 38 special is a really really good one if I, unless i'm like super duper high like there should be a producer on a lot of them like I know 38 Special does fucking rap albums with the Robert Green fucking covers. I had no idea that he's also a producer. Yeah, man, and I'm pretty sure I followed a lot of his projects through his producing. Uh, where is it? Uh, oh no, that just says who he's worked with. It's not giving me like an actual list of tracks he's produced. Oh, you're right. You're right. But but no, I see what you're saying. I, I mean, I found him on Wiki. <laughs> But like, he's got a lot of associated no, like, acts. There was cool ones, man. That like I was kind of. That's how I found like you know. There's a new like female one, Shane Noir. She releases really cool shit. Is she on, I uh, think there was Griselda, or she's fucking with them. No. No, that's uh, that's Armani Caesar. That that's that dude. She, that's another crazy female rapper as well. Like I went through her stuff, and that was that was really good. Like that's what, like, and that's what I was saying. Like, man, like you know, you get like these big albums, and like maybe four albums, like four songs on the album, they suck in the underground, man. Like you know, maybe it's just a few songs suck in the, you know, as opposed to rock where they had to be so creative, because on an on a rap album, you know, it would be like a singer interchanging bands for every single song of the album. Like that is when you would have like just an absolute masterpiece if a, if a band had to write like you know two songs out of a ten song album, you're gonna get you know some wild creativity where the singer can just kind of do this wild stuff on it where you're like holy crap like I haven't heard an album like this before, and that's you know like where you have like composers and stuff like that where it's not like you know like a band behind it more like um, I don't have a good example off the top of my head. But then, like, with the producers, like, I'd be listening, and I'd be like, yo, there's only one bad song on this album. 
And I'd be like, how is that possible? But it's because, you know, you grow in, you grow in the style of the person. Mm-hmm. You really grow in that person's lyrics, you know, the features that they're bringing on, their artists that you already like. There's nothing really new to it eventually. You know, you're listening to Army of the Pharaohs. Shit, I like everybody in Army of the Pharaohs. All the featuring acts that come on there, I could listen to those albums all day long. And that's where, you know, just listening to so much music, that's where the 10,000 really came from, man. And that's where the radio came from, was because, like, eventually I think I hit, like, 3,000. I was like, I got to do something with this. I can't just build a 10,000-song playlist and be that dummy that's like, yo, listen to my 10,000-song playlist so I can be like, yo, listen to my radio. It sounds a lot better. (laughs) Tell us how you uh, got that started. Shit, that was... That was a lot of time and effort. Uh, try you know the licensing for that. Um, that's through SoCan, I believe it's called. Uh, I forget what I forget what that stands for, but it's a it's a blanket license. It covers anything that we we play. The art like we can play anything that's commercial because like the artists, I guess they register with SoCan, and then it covers anything that we that we play. I don't know how they track what we play. But uh, it really sucks, you know, that when I sign it, I have to say that I'm making $0 for the year. That was my first year. I had to say, you know, I plan on making $0 because then I can't get taxed on it. You know, the Canadian government, if I put I was going to make $20, they'd tax me 100 They'd be like, they'd be like $20. No, I'm not to you. I don't know about that life where I'm telling that and all of that. No, I'm sorry. You moved into an area upon which, hmm, this guy be talking business game. I'm not 100 on. I signed up on SoCan as an artist. I have never pursued commercial radio licensing, nor it was weird did first, I go. Because like, I to be honest, I, I just talked to an accountant and let him tell me what's up. So I wasn't really following the nuances of the money part of my life as much as maybe I you did. I mean, my I'm small numbers and shit. I'm not that worried, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. If you could like elaborate a bit on like. I guess not so much the licensing, but how do you get it? You just like apply. Are there like restrictions? Like, is it a complicated thing to do? Uh, it's more so like, you know, figuring out the exact license that you need for it. And then, uh, like, I think I forget what it cost us. It was a couple hundred for the licensing for, and that's, that's yearly. Like that has to be renewed as soon as I, uh, Hold up. You're saying for a couple hundred dollars, you can get a license that lets you open up your own radio station and not violate the law. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. You can't like there's there's limitations. Like I can't, I don't think I can go and like DJ my station anywhere with the license I have. Like that's another license I have to get to be able to do, like a like an in person, uh, play big big playing of my uh thing. I'd have to whip up, dude. Like the one I have is something like um, if I type in license, it'll probably uh just like show me what it's called really quick uh no it's not gonna tell me but i i forget what it is it's like a license f21 segment something and like they have them up on their website but like the first trying to find it's like kind of like a it's like trying to find like you know like a needle in a haystack it's useless you know one place points you to another one place points you to another then eventually like you know 10 weeks later you end up with the actual document that you need you're like this is the one and then you're like sign it right away and send it back and you get your licensing because between that like you know everybody's asking you different questions you know like are you going to be djing live events with this radio station like like you know how like in your area you know how they'll go down to like uh 
you know, like, oh, come meet us at boom, boom, boom event, like, like that. I can't do that right now. Like, that's a that's an entirely different license I'd have to apply for and pay for as well. Probably, you know, more based off of how much money I'd be making in that event, so that depending on what I play or I don't know, man, because I think maybe I'd have to submit a set list. I'm going to play at that so that properly they get their money under my licensing. I have no idea, but so you don't have to submit <laughs> a set list right now. Uh, no, that, that's where it's weird. Like, I don't know. I have no idea because obviously actually, you know what? No, that is easy. Like I can log on. So the place that hosts my radio, uh, they, they keep like a database of every song that's ever been played, uh, everything like that. So come the end of the year, they probably just smack up, you know, who are my top artists, you know, don't fuck with the bottom, you know, anybody that's like below 1%, don't fuck with that, you know, kind of keep it to like a number they can actually, you know, deal with. And then just, you know, probably, you know, whatever June hits, you know, whatever their fiscal year, whenever that ends, they just boom, smack, send out to all the artists, whatever they've had for that year. And then, you know, see you next year. That's, so that's, that's an interesting that's think, point, too. So getting played on the radio like a one-two time is effectively, like, useless because you're going to be in the bottom 1%. And you got to get that repeat spins going on and to establish that relationship so that you can be, like... Probably, yeah, because, yeah, if you're only getting a few, I don't... I don't like I, I'm, I could be speaking on my ass. Like you'd probably have to have a good amount of plays from a lot of different sources, but yeah, like it, the radio definitely would be more. Like yeah, like unless you get that replay, definitely more for promotion, man. Like you want to get like what we're gonna be doing this year with our radio is an underground hour, which is completely just like user submitted. And I'm gonna put it like like if this is our prime time slot, like I'm a, I'm a book it right around. So that, you know, like people, I'm not going to lose my primetime hours, but people that are there during the primetime will see some like really dope music from people that have absolutely, you know, no following to people that have maybe as much following as a few of the artists that I play on the thing that are, you know, sending the music in. So that's going to be a really nice one for literally anybody that sends it in, man. Like if, if my high ass sits here and appreciates what you just sent in, I'll, I'll play it. Like there's Yo, can, not really any question. you like run your shit 24 seven? Oh, dude, yeah, man, it's running. You can, dude, open it right now. See what's fucking playing. Okay. What is it? Immortal dot what? What's the URL? Type in immortalradio.ca. Hold up. Give me a, give me a second here. Not a problem, man. I got no idea what's playing right now. I'm going to move it on top of your face, though, for the, the stream. Um, how do we play? Do I just hit play? Yeah, play it on the PC one. Yeah, right there, the one to the left. Uh, it's fucking Vinny Paz. Wait, oh yeah, is it? Yeah, it's Vinny Paz. I just heard the voice. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. That's wild. So you can just run your fucking playlist 24-7. People to do So, like, does it matter that you play it or that people listen to it? to me like obviously like i've like I'm that's at, another so i meant from like a, a stat perspective with like so can and them is it matter like you have to have like listeners for that shit to be like viable so like because you could be like streaming 24 7 and nobody bop on and listen to a thing yeah no they, they would have to probably think about that because you're right like you could have 100 radio stations out there playing one track 
uh, unlimited, like unlimited, like they, that that track could just never end on a hundred radio stations, twenty four seven for a year, and then that artist theoretically is owed bank. But if they look at the fact that zero people tuned into any of those plays, then yeah, that's probably jack shit. Like you're definitely right about that. Like you got to tune in and. And it shows, like, you know, like, you know, I don't know. It doesn't show me, like, you know, like, the amount of listeners I've ever had on this track. It shows me, like, peak listeners I've ever had. So it'll show me, like, you know, like, which ones are my best tracks I can check out, you know, which ones people stick around for, you know. Because um, definitely, like, what you said, that he, he can't, he can't, uh, he can't pay people if nobody's listening. That would. That would be hard. That would really kill radio fast, man. <laughs> well, hold on. Is it hard to promote a radio station? So, like, okay, you start your radio station, you get your website, you're doing your thing, you find your radio partner people. That's the basic steps of shit that y'all can just Google on your own. Now you got your radio. Is it, like, how do you build it? What, what do you do with that? Like, uh, one thing that, like, through the place that hosts my site, one thing they do is... uh an integration they have is like you can send it through to twitter like whatever you're playing at that point and so like I, and like the inner i used to have it in stupid intervals man like fucking like three minutes and shit like that so every three minutes it would ping you immortal radio is playing and sometimes it would be the same track so i was like fuck i really got to separate that i think it's at like 11 minutes or something but so at, and at first man the first 28 like that 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 account has too many tweets but the first 28,000 tweets on that didn't even have my goddamn website. Yo, shout out Night Nurse <laughs> Selections for the follow. Um, so you tweeted autumn tweets with no call to action to bring anybody back to your page. Just, we exist and we're playing some shit. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, man. It would be like playing this on more 28,000. Yeah, man. Not Thank God it wasn't me, man. It was like a robot sending them out. But... Dude, it was horrible. Like, I sat down one day, and I just looked at it, and I was like, yo, this is flawed. I was like, this is about 28,000 missed opportunities. And then, like, I, and then, you know, I changed up, like, the hashtags to stuff that weren't so stupid. I uh, added in the website, and then, like, dude, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not big, but, like, there, my listeners come from Europe, like, primarily, like, Canada, kick this shit up. Like, let's get some more fucking plays going here. Are you saying like, that your oh spam Twitter strategy generates actual listeners for you? Because like, because like through what I do, like I looked up a little bit of like the uh, the SEO stuff for Twitter. So I get like other bots picking me up, and the other bots like you know they pick up certain ones. And so like, like so if I if I tweet it out, like most of my plays I think come from people that also follow these bots that are retweeting certain radio stations. So then like, I have like this. I don't know, automatic network kind of just like pinging me. Let me, let me oh, run that back to make sure I'm following this and just to make sure everybody on board. You optimize. SEO is the process of optimizing whatever for whatever search engine you're fucking with. So it's not just Google. It's If it's a search engine, there's SEO for it. Twitter has its own set of rules. <clears throat> and you set up your shit not to fuck with the algorithm so much, but to get the bots that are scanning Twitter to pick you up. So you're playing like a different algorithm game entirely than the rest of the people. Everyone's yeah. like, hashtag this, hashtag, you're like, no, 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 hold up. The bots want me to get this guy. And if that bot has a bunch of fans, I'll just piggyback on this shit. 
and you reinvented the not reinvented i imagine but you came at twitter masterful grace and managed to get a bunch of europeans over to your site on some fucking with bots in a brilliant way that's a big time knowledge nugget bonnie was right to drop them knowledge and what, what really sucks is like my game on other sites like really isn't that high yet like uh like one of our dudes hermian like our producer and our uh, one of our lead engineers he's gonna really help me fuck with youtube this year he's been looking at a lot of that and that's where like you know like because the radio station once i realized that i had twenty eight thousand tweets out there man i think that was a real big like spark under my ass you know lit the fire i had to be like yo i gotta capitalize on this and i'm gonna send out twenty eight thousand more (laughs) hopefully attach the website so people are like oh okay immortal radio that's where i listen (laughs) it was horrible nah but we all learn from that shit but what's super important is that you're sitting here telling us about how to mark twitter in a whole different way that's wild and i'm pretty sure that depending on what you're doing there's opportunities there maybe you're not doing a radio station but when you're playing the twitter game did you ever think about the twitter bots and how your relationship with the the twitter bots could be a thing check out the bot for your genre i i I haven't done it for my music but I, I know it works for the radio. Check out if there's lo-fi bots. Check out if there's boom-bap bots. Check out if there's whatever subgenre you're doing and see if you can get that bot to, you know, pick you up. Fucking wild shit. It's like just when you think, like, a social media platform is pointless and there's no, boof, somebody pops up and it's like, nah, I figured Twitter out. Here's some Twitter shit you never thought about. But bro, you don't even understand. This is like, I'm going to go back to my day job with this shit. I'm be like, yo, hold up. I was talking to this guy on my interview. Uh, let me tell you what he <laughs> That's some fire shit right there with the Twitter shit. I don't know. Maybe maybe the rest of y'all watching this are like, bro, come on, Holden. That's some obvious shit. Well, not to me, okay? It wasn't obvious to me. <laughs> no, man. One of them, like, randomly, like, because I... I got a notification one day and it was one of them picked up some random hashtag and it said like right in the description like that this bot like you know at a certain rate you know retweets anything with this hashtag and I was like I was like yo are there more of these things (laughs) and then I went fucking I went scouring for like ones that at least had followers people liking the tweets people liking it that weren't like you know random other bots so I wasn't just going to be you know pinging it to a bot that had bots following them. They would just be like a weird, like, chain of shit eventually. I wanted it to be at least something. And, like, we have, like, I believe it's, like, 500, 600 unique monthly listeners. I, like, that's because it, it pings me, like, how many listeners I have overall. And then it tells me how many are unique, like, you know, from a unique area or whatever. And that's how many it is. Uh, anytime I open it, you know, there's at least five, six people going, seven people uh some nights you know you get to see it i've seen it hit 10 man and that that that's a wild one because like to me i haven't really done a lot for it uh it's still more you figured out twitter you did a lot (laughs) it's still it's still like a it's still like a hobby thing to me man like one of the biggest things i love is just you know like i'm looking for something to listen to and then i smack on immortal radio man and that's that's my thing I, i like turning that on i like I like listening to it. I like the variety. When my favorite tracks drop, I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, this is a, this is was real. Like, yo, this is a useful conversation for my life. So I'm saying, I like things yeah, like that. Dude. And I like the fact that it's you're awesome. like willing to share some of the more logistical bullshits. Cause I sometimes not everyone's so down to share it. I get it. 
a lot of stuff super boring in life but sometimes you don't know how easy something is not necessarily easy but easy relatively speaking until somebody's like yeah i suffered for six months look how easy it is like people like that big blessings (laughs) dude and that's where like too many people like they're they really let that ego go and they won't like they won't listen to anybody else but that's like everything i've done in music so far has been by just keeping an open ear and open mind and not really like you know if somebody tells me something's wrong you know of course maybe i might get mad in that moment and be like yo fuck that no i'm right but then like i sit on it and i dwell on it and then like it hits me one you know and i apologize and then i'm like shit like this is really what i should have been doing the entire time this is what it was about like you were right like you know like some like people have always you know like when you start rapping they talk about you know your flow your bars all that so like the entire time like all that shit's in the back of my head not not being angry you know you write something and you're like you 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 fucking stumble over and you're like no you're like that's exactly what they're talking about like there was one guy man and he was from around here the only person i've ever rapped with around here actually and he uh he was just talking about you know like there's no need for so many words sometimes like some words hold no merit in a, in a bar in a Max. sentence and that was and that was like when my uh when i had an editor for my book and she told me like basically the same thing for a novel like in a sentence or a paragraph like there's no need to repeat information there's no need to beef it up with words that don't need to be there and so it, it was just a weird one to hear like in a different manner than uh than hearing it from an editor with a novel it was it was something different and shit man i'm still waiting for that guy to hit me back he released like one song came over uh we, we were writing a really nice one i still like what i had for that one and uh dude's a ghost now he's releasing music but won't answer that happens the one thing i learned about features is that it's weird it's like dating everything in the music <laughs> game reminds me of tinder lately it is one of the most like once i had that like whoa it's just tinder sometimes you swipe left sometimes you swipe right that's how it goes. Sometimes people want to go. Sometimes people ghost you. Music game. I don't know. I don't see a huge difference. Um, but like, I think it's interesting because like you came in so late, but you also because I mean realistically coming into Audis at like last couple of years feels like late, you know. But at the same time, you're coming in with like the knowledge of like you book industry shit so you're coming at it with this like wildly out of scope perspective that i don't think like a whole lot of people have when they come into the music game um as far as the another big one another big one i used to do because some of like the machines i ran man like you run them with precision and if you run them with precision like the guy that taught me man like you could if you're confident and i was like i am man like if you're confident you can go home for dinner if you know that the runtime is going to be two hours and you're, you know, your machine, you know, that it's well taken care of, you can step away, man. Like I, I wrote a lot of the book working. I, I brainstormed a lot of the book working. I wrote it on a fucking Blackberry, like a lot of it. The, then I'd go home and I'd transport like, you know, texts and texts and texts and just transport it over. Cause you know how you used to text like on the touchpad, man, it's just like a keyboard, how you don't have to look at it. So I'd be like staring at my machine and goddamn like fucking writing a book of, like just with my hands. And then, you know, you get home, there's a typo here, typo there, just fix all that or whatever. Not but, uh, book. You wrote a book while not looking at it on your phone. 
Yeah, dude. And then like, and then eventually they didn't like that. So then it had to be like, you had to read books. And that's when I was reading like stock novels and whatnot. And that's what really got me interested in like the record label as well. Like that kind of side of it uh, was looking at, you know, like why some, you know, when I got into it, why some of these people were so successful, like label wise and why some of these labels just crumbled. Like if they had the foundation, they had the artist, they had this, they had that, they had this, what was the one crack in there that made the whole, you know, the whole uh, castle just tumble in. So like those stock novels that I was reading, that was, that was probably the best part about, you know, like knowing my job was having the freedom to really sit there and read like, uh, God, man. Uh, oh, I forget the guy's name. I could, I could probably f- grab it in a few minutes. It's sitting up in my library, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, Peter Lynch, that's the guy's name. It just came back to me, dude. Do- crazy book. And like, it just taught me that like, you know, like in there is a chapter about how one year, like this group of third graders, man, like they outperformed the entire S and P 500 index because they just picked like companies that they really liked these kids. They just picked this entire list of companies that they liked, like Coca-Cola, Toys R Us, like just stupid companies, man. And by the end of the year, they outperformed the index by like uh, something wild, like over 150, something that was just crazy because like it was just all of the things that these third graders liked. And there was a whole chapter about it, about how like sometimes the people that go in it as like the craziest experts and don't look at it from weirder angles, they end up just burning themselves because they're so like dug in their heels, like expert opinion. Like obviously, you know, those third graders aren't going to repeat that every year in history. They're not going to outperform the S&P 500 just being like, oh, I love Toys R Us. But they just proved that year that it was done, that it was just like a crazy overturn for what anybody ever thought possible. But it also makes sense, right? Because if I'm not mistaken, you're only supposed to invest in stocks into companies that you actually like and believe in. Yeah. And that's the right way to like do it. Like that's what that, and that's what a lot of that book's about, man. And that's what that was also about is that like, you know, when you look at a company, like, yeah, but that's it. Like if you if you don't exactly like it, or if you're only like a numbers analytic person, you'll forget. You forget about stuff, man. And then you you turn around at the wrong moment, and that shit's already the worst like value you've ever seen in your life. And you're like, damn, dude, like one of them, the the one I forget was sitting at my machine, man. And one of the IPOs, like the uh, the initial price offerings I saw was Spotify right when it launched, forty bucks or something stupid like that, man. It's crazy now. Like the, there were there were there were ones I just watched them launch, and I was like, I don't I don't know about that one. And then you look back and you're like, fuck. I only had a moment like that one time and it was AMD when it hit 30 something and I knew AMD was about to wipe out uh, Intel because I had found out that they were going to be used by the PS5 and shit and you're like oh say where that's guaranteed stock price increase and then I, I didn't do the brave thing and then the stock price literally tripled within a year and I'm like huh i don't know that i'm ever gonna know things like that and have that kind of shit happen again like i tripped about it i watched it go down and then one day it was like 50 something and i'm like oh no it's over and then it just climbed and it just keeps climbing (laughs) and every day my phone notifies me that amd goes up another 0.28 percent or whatever and you're like fuck you phone i don't want to know this i think it's a good reminder actually i think it's so useful to like remember that because like that was a time i probably could have made money if i just gambled on information i knew solidly you know like it wasn't even like bad it was like just common knowledge and nobody cared because amd versus intel wasn't cool 
it wasn't hot you know like it was just one of those slept on moments and then oh, yeah now MD's hot everybody looking at it <laughs> <laughs> dude some of those like i remember joking about like the price of amazon before man i'd be scared to check it out now i'd be terrified to check out what the hell on amazon stock is worth now Last I remember, shit, it might have been around like 2,500 US. It is $3,229.72. So that's another 700. Yeah, Jesus, man. That shit, that shit rises like no tomorrow. It's almost like, that's almost like if you could afford when I was watching, one Amazon stock now, it's worth buying. <laughs> yeah, that, we were watching them when they were like 11, like 12, joking about them then. So my, now they're over doubling a bit. My, this is what I love, man. My dad like that's why Bitcoin in 2010, and my dad made fun of Bitcoin in 2010 and was telling me about that in 2014, and then we made fun of Bitcoin in 2014, and then Bitcoin. Yeah, that was not not wise. <laughs> oh man, that that's the exact same stuff. Like at least like my father-in-law did invest in that, so he's got his Bitcoin and whatnot. They were doing it, you know, 2013, 14, or oh no, 14, 15, I believe, yeah. Mm, that's some big news. When it wasn't like, I think it was still below, like, you know, what's that? I don't want to say six figures, because that's not six, but, you no. know, 10,000. It was below, below five that mark. figures. No, it was. It was, like, whatever. That shit blew up. Like, then, it, and I think it was, like, 2016, 17 was, like, its first real blow up. And then it, like, had its real, real blow ups. That's right. Bitcoin had two glow up moments in its life so far. <laughs> it's it's true. Um, so basically, you'll be running um, a label at the same time and making music. <clears throat> when did you like get into music? Let's talk about that for a quick second as an artist. Like, so is that all simultaneous to the radio and the label? Are these things all just happening at the same time, or is there any kind of sequence to it all? No, man. There's no. There's no sequence to this madness. It all it all runs, and uh, if it doesn't run properly at the same time, I put something on hold. Um, more often than not, it's my music that gets put on hold because uh, you know, like the radio. Uh, if people are listening, uh, that's gotta that's gotta stay good. That can't that can't go stale. That can't die out. That has to be something that's always around. Uh, the label that's that's not me at all that's you know me for other artists so i can't i can't drop that off my music is the only one that can really like die off drop off i'm always writing you know like we have we have a disgusting amount of tracks that are ready to go that's that's part of the sad thing you know like we have probably god 10 15 tracks ready to go that if you know, we just try to set down properly, record them. But, you know, with this scribble one, like, that's that's the priority. Like, I ain't fucking with anything else until I really get this scribble one done. I don't think anybody knows what that means. I know what that means, but I don't think anybody knows what that means. Bonnie's probably yeah. going, did he just say scribble? Yeah, he said scribble. Yeah, I know, like, uh, like the rapper. Like, we have a we have an album we're throwing together with him. So I got a few more, I got a few more verses to finish off with that. Uh, when I finish that off, that'll be something that I can hopefully return to my own music. Like these online festivals, those were crazy, you know, together. Right, so, so like I was spending time with those, so let's not really back. focusing. So let's run it back. So when did you start your label? Officially, um, 
like, you know, one of the first nights that we were drinking, uh, my buddy said, you know, like, Enigmatic Electronic Entertainment. And that was just, like, the name. Like, that was, there was no concept. There was no plan. There was nothing like that. It was just, like, a name at that point that we knew that, you know, going forward, we would like to do our music. But, uh, like, a label was our end game. You know, we didn't really want to sign anywhere. We always wanted to have the plan B that we were independent, that we would try to bring as an, you know, like an independent feel to a label as possible, where it's not like, you know, like you, you kind of come up to your album and you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, you know, like you have constraints left, right and center. We wanted a label that if we ever were a part of one to be something that would be, you know, very, you know, you only hear a few, you hear a few of them, you don't hear a lot about them, you hear everybody trashing a label, you don't hear everybody, you know, really talking up the idea of trying to sign with one anymore, unless you're going for like a really big cash bonus, people are like, oh, I want to be independent, want to be independent, want to be independent, and, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, you want to, you want to do this by yourself, you want to have like, you know, that feeling, but I don't know, like coming from hockey and stuff like that, like I like, I like that team, man, like I've never in everything I've done, like, I've never been a solo artist. I'm a duo. Uh, this label is like my team built around me. Uh, hockey is like a huge thing. I built, I bring a lot of hockey management, if you want to call it that, uh, skills to the label, the way I want to run things here, where it's, it's formed like a hockey team, you know, like we have, there's no piece that works the best. There's no piece that, you know, we can run without everything has to be there from you know like the equipment managers you know down to the trainers on a hockey team everything has to be there every piece is just important as the next otherwise it doesn't run and that's where like you know like producers that shit doesn't get enough credit in hip-hop which blows me away which you know coming from uh rock and metal and all that how many producers like do, do people actually know can people name a lot of producers i can say, go down and I today yes I really believe a lot of people can because of like a shift in this attitude. But a couple of years yeah. back, I think what you're saying holds a lot of weight. But I'd be like wildly surprised that people couldn't drop a, a top two or three at this point, even. Yeah, but that's what I want. Like, a t like if you can drop me a top 25 or 50 of artists, I want you to drop me that exact same list of producers. Like, I want because, yeah. and that's it, man. Because, like, in, in uh, rap and metal, or sorry, not rap, but rock and metal, man. Like every single year, like people would be like dying to wait and see like who are the top 20 guitar players of the year, who are the top 20 drummers. But I don't see like the same, you know, like highlight on this, on like sub genres. Who's the top, like, you know, now, of course, with trap and everything, like you're saying, like the trap producers are big deals. But like looking back, a lot of people, if you ask them who produced this track, you know, who produced that track, not even just tracks, man, more like who produced with this artist they don't really know you know like who carried the artist for like many many platinums many golds diamonds it's kind of a weird thing to me because like i was saying like you know guns and roses of course you know axel and slash nobody really can name the other dudes but like the Beatles, like no everybody knows the beatles everybody knows all four of them you know i hope that they don't forget uh you know george and ringo obviously paul and uh paul and john are the big boys but it's a weird it's a weird aspect to me where like 
these like obviously these musicians or these singers they took their bands behind them like so seriously and always put them at the front like obviously you know like the lead man had Shout like consake c-o-n-s-c-y-c i don't know how to say that shout out you for following yeah i apologize man but like there was some there was a different like aspect to it where like you know like when you have a rapper that's going around they'll bring their own producer for many of those tracks produced by another producer, you know, like just to hit play, be that guy behind the scene, you know, you're just giving this guy his whole set, but you might've only produced two tracks out of like the entire set that's being done. It's a very weird thing where like a lead singer had to bring that band around and they had to. So it was, it was more of a, you know, standard recognition. You knew who was there, you knew who was, who was, you know, behind the scene but then like producers are just trying to like even like you know cover art like you to find out a producer on a track sometimes man you gotta dig you gotta dig to find who produced a track sometimes and i find that really odd that part's mad odd to me still i definitely think um people don't credit producers enough um i also think doing this interview thing producers are not into the limelight often so they tend to do none of the marketing to put their name in front of people not all of them but a lot of the ones i've met and i've met a decent number at this point however the rappers love the limelight so they make front and center produce they'll be like whatever i'll pay for that beat or i stole that beat whichever it doesn't matter i'm using that beat now it's done and then cover art's weird because of the fucking writing rules if it wasn't for the writing rules maybe there would be more producers credited on shit but it gets kind of weird because like the way distro kid works right now i can't properly credit people as additional artists without paying more money so i'm featuring people and then i don't know it's all fucking weird with the specifics of how these distributors work so like cover art is kind of wild but Speaking of team, having cover art people, crucial person on your team. <clears throat> yes, definitely, man. Definitely. And it's, it's cool to see what they can create. It's wild, you know, you give them like a little bit of a concept and then you get something back and you're like, holy shit, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> Who are the other people then that you like have with the team? Like what are the other roles that you feel are pivotal? like the ones that we have that are really big are like um like even the small ones like i was saying like the biggest ones we have though are uh like i don't know if apollo's still in here but apollo helps me like find a lot more talent now like that was one thing where like if i was really going to keep going forward with trying to do what i'm doing i had to you know stop that you know one man mentality of running everything and kind of get a team around me you know a, a smaller team within the team that would help me make sure that all of this is going to go flawlessly through the throughout this year where it's not going to be so you know like i'm sitting here listening to this amount of chunk of artist music you know every night or whatever and then like during that time i could be you know updating the website you know doing something on beat stars doing something on youtube trying to market this trying to do that Trying to see if people have you know that real struggle shit. Yeah, dude. Then you gotta see if the people have the beats for their albums. You know, want to make sure none of those beats overlap. I've done that once or twice. Where like I gotta go back and be like, shit, man, this beat's actually been used. I'm very sorry. And like, 
stuff like that. Uh, so Apollo helps like with that. Uh, one of our other, like Apollo's an engineer as well with us. Uh, we have another guy, Hermie, and this dude is just like a wizard with microphones and everything, man. This guy, he's an audio engineer. Uh, he's an engineer and then an audio engineer as well. Like, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like straight engineer, like the boom, bam, like figure out how everything works in life. And then like, he's an audio engineer on the side. So, like his work is it's impeccable as well uh he like he cares about a lot you know about like how far you are from the mic what like if you're standing like here if you should be standing here or here to get rid of it you know something within that mix the dude is crazy uh he recommended all the fucking equipment i actually bought uh recently because i had to get you know as a duo it doesn't really work that well having one set of equipment so we had to you know invest in another set and that was uh, everything Hermian recommended. Um, and then we have two producers that, uh, like Steezy and the Barber, and they're like our lead producers going forward that are going to kind of like, you know, set the tone, set the bar. Uh, Steezy is Canadian. Uh, he's actually like with like 10 minutes from me. Not even maybe, like depends on how fast you drive during that journey. <laughs> and the Barber is German. And uh, they've done a few collab beats together. Uh, the Barber does West Coast funk. Uh, Steezy does a multiple, you know, multiple different genres within uh, hip hop. But uh, he's a guitar heavy producer, very guitar heavy producer. Um, and so like those two are kind of like, you know, going to set the bar for everything that we do going forward. You know, they collab very well together. That's a, that's a huge aspect to me, man. Like producers, uh, they need to, you know, kind of collab very well together to produce stuff that would be very unique to an environment, stuff that you would not hear otherwise. Uh, Steezy would not be producing these tracks without the barber uh, and vice versa. The barber would not be producing these tracks without Steezy. There, you know, the barber brings such a West Coast uh, slam to a beat and then Steezy will, you know, like sauce on like the Santana guitar. And it's such a weird, like nice vibe to it where, like I was saying, the one couldn't do it without the other. And that's like, the, uh, again, like another team aspect where like, I'm really hoping that, you know, we have two more producers, IDFK and Shamir. They're just, you know, producers with us, but they're going to start collabing soon. Uh, they both happen to be within the same area. Uh, IDFK, I believe, is in India and Shamir's in, in Pakistan. So like a lot of those like uh, instruments you wouldn't hear over here are going to be a lot more uh, prominent in those beats. And they already create wild beats on their own, man. I can't wait to hear the melodies and everything they're going to create together. So it's kind of like just creating an environment where everybody really knows what's good with everybody else. Uh, everybody knows the capabilities everybody else has. Uh, I really try to push people to get acquainted with other people's music, not so much the artist, because if you don't want to really deal with a person, that's not for me to really push you towards. But if you like their music, hell, let's set that up. Like, let's get that really going. We've had, uh, like, um, there's a song coming out uh, that's next to Paulo, uh, an art uh, vocalist we have, Flora, uh, and a producer, Hi-Hat, that's coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, actually, in four days, sorry. That's not next few weeks. It's the 14th. Uh, Trusk and CJ, I don't think there's a release date for that song yet. Uh, that's going to be, like, that's not... I didn't set that up. Trusk and CJ already roll amazing on a track together. That's just another one, both artists from us that are going to be dropping soon. Uh, it's it's really, 
It's something when else, man. Trying next to... Apollo, you've been getting all the love. Ooh, lots of love to next Apollo. He's a big part of what we'll be doing going forward. A big part. He's like, dude, yo, dude. next Apollo helping me keep my shit together. Because without next Apollo, I ain't holding my shit down. I realize that I'm not good at doing everything. And shout out to him. You were the first one that got name dropped. I think that's what really matters. <laughs> he was the first one to really accept that I, you know, not accept that I needed the help, but accept to, you know, take some of the burden off my shoulders and really, really help me go forward with this. Because, you know, with, with a few people that will take like, you know, like a website off my hands, uh, that's one less thing I got to sign into during the week. Uh, like I was saying earlier with Hermian, our, our engineer, uh, he's going to help me out with the YouTube, the SEO for that. He seems to know a lot about that. That's going to be a game changer for our channel. Yeah, uh, it's going to be is like the easiest of the SEOs. That's the best part. I, it's just I haven't looked it up that much. Like it's just one of those things where like I have to do lists, and one of those things that's on that list is the YouTube SEO. I just haven't. I've never sat down to it yet. Yeah, YouTube's <laughs> a lot more. Um about similar content so you're trying to like make stuff that shows up in related content honestly like you could go waste time watching a bunch of youtube gurus and shit but like big things to note is whatever your main keyword is spam it in the first minute or so of your video that's why i hear people be like so today we're going to be talking about the hot updates from the witcher 3 game and you're going to find out everything new from the hot update in the witcher 3 and after i do my intro the hot witcher 3 updates are good that's that's, that's an seo move just to like that's a really deliberate thing they do because oh, you want to plug it so that your main keywords are drawn in early on because the the autobot thing is only scanning the first couple of minutes we've tested it with shit like a weed and whatnot and don't smoke weed in the first three minutes type thing because the idea is is in the first three minutes of your video that's when kids are going to stick around and after that ain't no child watching growing ass content no no kid is watching this they're gonna leave that's the main general thinking otherwise uh if you can transcribe your your words and script it and put it into the fucking um whatever this the the words that pop up on the screen i'm blanking on the word that shit upload it yourself that's good for seo keywords are virtually irrelevant is what youtube is saying these days and to my experience it's not that relevant what really is relevant is length so you want to find the average length of a video that you're aiming to pivot into and you want to be longer than it but not full of fluff okay okay so like we did really well on youtube with the album reviews because their crap was like two hours it'd be like a two hour album review and everyone else is making like 20 minute ones so like multiple times on day one before youtube got smarter um no teleprompter no that's not the word it's fucking subtitles subtitles that's the word i was looking for um but now youtube cares about shit like engagement so what it's really watching for it's less SEO, but more about keeping people interested in the way TikTok is. So it's like your thumbnail matters, your title thumbnail combo gets people to click, and then the retention rate post click. Those two things are the most important thing to get your shit up on YouTube. If you do that, okay, okay. you run in it. So a lot of the SEO crap, it's kind of like not really that hot on YouTube anymore because the algorithm's hot <laughs> in a sense. It knows. Yo, what's up, Ismail? Good to see you. But yeah, and then yeah, stuff like 
I don't know, like putting a title on your screen with the words of your chapters. It, like just little things. Having chapters. Chapters is big. So like my long ass video, we're going to do this. Shout out to homeboy Chris Chrome, part of what he does because I can't watch this shit again, is he watches the whole thing in full and he timestamps that motherfucker for me. So I don't have to go watch it again. And then I can just fix the English and we fucking put it up, but it's not got the chapters. So let's say somebody in the future is watching this shit, they can skip over it. If you do that and you make sure that like you understand your YouTube game and you keep it engaging to the world of YouTube, so it's got to be a little uppity and it's becoming how-to land, so focus education, you'll kill it. Um, just everything else is not hot right now. It's how-to education. That's hot on YouTube. Everybody knows it because all you get is fucking video essays and vlog misses and all these you know things where people teach you and show you shit. That's YouTube now. Yeah. That's why, like, yeah, I want to get it going a little bit better. I don't expect it to blow up. I just want a bit better results than the bullshit I threw together in the beginning. At least mimic, you know, kind of the stuff I have set up on Twitter. Yo, what you could At least do, get though, is, like, fucking run your radio station on Twitch. That's what I would do. That's what I actually was thinking earlier, was I got to live stream the radio station 100%. Yo, you can't put that shit on YouTube, though. That's, like, the copyright people will fuck you up. You are not licensed to make money yeah. on YouTube. Or the copyright people will fuck you up. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> and then it's their yeah, mean people. So... <clears throat> That's why Twitch I'll is cool. I'll have to whip open sent me that Twitch thing. I'll have to whip that open and start bringing the radio station over here. But like, where like the YouTube is fire is talk radio. So like this shit minus the part where I played your music at the front is like mad good for like YouTube and podcast networks. So then we're gonna put it on Spotify and shit after. But like, I don't know. YouTube's just about like creating content that is either going to be a podcast or some shit people are actually going to watch and you just need to know what the fuck you're doing with it is somebody going to watch your video or are they listening to your video and run from there <laughs> you're either going audio heavy or graphics heavy or a good mix in the middle Definitely like, audio heavy. and then you can just do shit like i've seen people go real like powerpoint it's basically powerpoint that's their whole youtube video but the script is so fire i can't help it i want to watch their fuck and then they upgrade when they get an editor and now it's animated powerpoint and then inevitably it's animated powerpoint that looks real nice but fundamentally every like fucking four seconds is the equivalent of like a slide on a powerpoint presentation or whatever well that's I definitely got to hit up Twitch this year because that's one thing I want to do is just streaming the radio station. That's just an extra set of ears, you know, an extra set of eyes that know about it because there's an app, man. Like, you don't have to download it. Like, you don't have to log on to that uh, site every time. Dude, you just download the Immortal Radio app and run from there. Man. I'm going to be real with you. I will never download that app on some, like, gosh darn it, I don't want another app like that. However, if I saw you on Twitch... Bro, I'm going on a Twitch feed. Now, it's probably not what you want, but it's the closest you would get from me and my consumer habits with music. No, man, that's that's perfect. Because, like, this app, dude, it's just it's so nice. All it does is just plays music for you in the background. You can swipe it up. This ain't no YouTube. You ain't got to keep it on open. It. You got your, your app. Is, is That looks fire. That looks nice. I got to get this going, though. That's a, that's a really good one. That's a, that's a sick avenue, man. Because, <clears throat> um, yo, there are people that will fuck with that. As much as I have my opinions, I want everybody to know I know I'm not everybody. And, like, I don't listen to radio. Radio's still hot. That doesn't mean anything if I listen to radio or not. So I'm aware of that. 
I'm saying I'll be on Twitch though, learning about Calypso and shit from DJs. So I'm saying, hmm, maybe I'm a Twitch radio guy, and that's the way to get me. So there's other people like me. That's kind of where I was going. Oh with yeah, that. man. And it's no, and it's no like sweat off my back to learn how to do that to like kind of broadcast to another thing when I'm already broadcasting. That's why it's kind of a like a really sick avenue. I don't really have to do. Like I already got it running. All I got to do is just set up this stream and just get it nice running from there. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, so basically, you got the radio, you got the label where you'd be signing people and you'd be setting up the middlemaning shit and you'd be pushing all these different avenues for on behalf of the artist and whatnot. You're your artist yourself. And then you have those virtual shows. How did the virtual shows come to be? Oh, dude, that was funny. Uh, I saw one that happened between uh, just another guy. And like this guy that I do it with, this guy musically from the Wrap It Out, and I saw it, man, and it was like, like the like audio quality kept dropping, all this stuff, the stream kept lagging, like you know, coming in this year, we got we got stuff where we kind of want every single performance to be like you know what you're submitting what we're submitting you know none of the pre-recorded like youtube kind of stuff like that like it's this year's nobody outside of you would not knows what you mean by that so you got to break down what that means a little bit oh yeah like some people have submitted like you know to our like online festival that we do for music like they've submitted like a online festival i only know because i participated so i'm aware of what this is uh it's like you can find them on his youtube channel they're like these long ass video streams that he was leveraging premiere so it was like being streamed live all the artists who participated which included cb mac for those who care included chemo to key to more greatness a couple other people from montreal that you may know about um i actually know if there's anyone else but either way we all sent in these little what five to 20 minute snippets of a set and he sewed them all together and made this virtual concert and you've done three of them now because i've given you three yeah. sets <laughs> three of them in six months so thank you a lot for three sets yeah i think you're one of the few people who ever did the three of them in, th- in six months and that's what we're also looking to change is really like uh not so fast like you know this year we might do three of them we might do two of them but if we do three of them it'll be the entire year you know like four months between if we do two of them six months between give people time to you know really prep up what they really think their best content is from the last six months or whatever but uh what i was talking about with the quality was like some people sent in like you know like just strung together like youtube videos strung together music videos and we want it to all be live, like as live as it can be. And so to answer your question, I saw the one and like the quality was just bad, man. Like the stream kept stopping. It kept like cutting, you know, they kept like having the mouse on the screen and whatnot. And so I just said to the guy, I was like, this is horrible. And it, he was like a dick. Like I was kind of, you know, saying like, you know, I could probably help, you know, do this in the future. And he was just being a dick about it. So I said, give me eight weeks and I'll do one that's better. And that was the first one I did. I said, give me eight weeks and I'll plan a better one and it won't be so fucking horrible and laggy. Yeah, and look at it, dude. The first one how was... The, fuck the did first you one find chemo? Scribble, dude. Uh, there, those those mixtapes that we did through Scribble, um, the the artists in LA, uh, the, they're called the Shoot the Gift. And like, they're pretty much like, you know, it's one of those ones like, you know, you pay for your slot 
you just get your song on the mixtape. They were cheap. Like, they were very, very cheap. It wasn't like, you know, paying big bucks for any slot on a mixtape. It was just kind of like, and I thought of it as, you know, like, what's a way to kind of find a few artists out there? Find a few that are really good. I can send you a link for those if you want to check them out, dude. I was curious because so like, I'm like, yo, is that the shit that chemo's on? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Because, you know, like, I know Scribble, right? Like, for me, this is all, like, the whole thing to me was a little, I wouldn't say comical, but it was a little funny to me. Um, okay, yeah, okay. Because, so Scribble is, like, a guy that I encountered in album review line back in the day. And he was literally within the first two people to ever hit me up and be like, do you want to review my album? I saw your shit and I like what you do. And I was like, wow. And you know, like when you start doing something new and like the first person, you're like, fuck that. I don't even care if that's what we're doing. And then I like, we talked about it. Somebody was all like, are you sure? Who is this guy? I'm like, trust. And then we did it. Then we did his next ones, but then, you know, he ends up becoming our Patreon at one point, paying us monthly to do album reviews on the real. Like he sent me this, he sent me a message. Like we became like friend friends. Like me and Scribble are like, we like cuss each other out a little bit in the voice messages, debating the nuances of social politics and crap. Like we geek on Limp Biscuit together. In fact, I still have to listen to the new Limp Biscuit album, Scribble, if you do end up watching this. I'm aware that I need to still listen to it. But, like, so, like, I know Scribble like that. And then all of a sudden, I show up in these chats and everybody's like, Scribble this, Scribble that. Yo, Scribble's so cool. And I'm like, listen, I call him Scribby in public. <laughs> like, I'm cool with Scribby. <laughs> like, he, he, he might like slap me one time, but that's okay. We can get over it. But like for real, he was like, yo, before COVID, he was supposed to come up to Montreal and I was going to be his like go around with him guy. Like that's the level of cool we got. And then y'all showed up and scribble this, scribble that. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, this is the mixtape. Cause that's how I met Kimo. Kimo I met randomly on Facebook. And then he's telling me about this random ass guy that has mixtapes. And it's like, is it scribble? Cause I knew about scribble shit. Cause I hit him up one time and he's like, bro, I'm going to be real with you. It's not free. And I'm like, cool. Thanks for being real with me. I'm not it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm like, but it's you? You're the guy that Scribble linked up with and made the mixtapes with. Like, you got to understand. I know to everyone out there who's watching me react like this, this is like somebody did some Nardwar shit in my life level of full circle. That's how wild it was yeah. when that happened to me. <laughs> I didn't, like, when he, when, when he hit me up to, like, partake in them, uh, I, there was already number one and number two done, and I looked through them and dude, there's some really good artists on those. That that's what really hit me. I was like, like if I whip up, uh, like let me look up uh, what what's good on his uh, first two. They were ones because like when I was also looking up Scribble, man, Scribble works with Big Left. Big Left, you know, they do the Napalm uh, drop. Yeah. Do Big Left? It's like you know, he's he's associated, I believe, to my knowledge, with uh, La Coca Nostra. So it's one of those things Big where like, Left is like I an early him. member of La Coca Nostra and like the very yeah. early parts of their career and affiliated with them. That was one of the ones I slowly started going through, like one of my snowballs where I, I found Scribble. Like I knew, I heard it, one of his verses. And then when he hit me up, I was like, I already know this guy's work. Like this is, this is either not him messaging me or I'm doing this no matter what. Like I already like this guy's work. It was one of those ones where it was weird where like, you know, you, you, you listen to so many of these songs and so many of these verses and then you're like, 
You're like, I, I don't, you're like, I know that name. Like, you're like, and you whip up the fucking verses you already have downloaded that you like, and you're like, definitely, you're like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in 100. Yeah. percent And so those mixtapes, like when I did them, I was in for them because like I wanted to kind of, uh, kind of find other artists. Like I wanted to see who else was out there, and what better a way than you know a mixtape held by somebody that I already think they're a dope rapper. What what better way than something they're throwing together where there's already two of them previously. So it's not like he's hitting me up for, you know, this random first project. So, he, you know, I look at it and then I'm like, oh, you know, shit. Like, you know, the first one of them, you got like uh recognize, you got Whitney Payton, you got uh chemo's on the first one as well, dude. Chemo's been mumbling here for a this long time. That. This and That's his chemo track from that one. And, and dude, like, so I started listening to them, and I was like, "This is it! Like, definitely doing this." And then, so when I did them, like, I don't know how many artists that actually did these mixtapes sat down and listened to the entire mixtape to see who else was on it. But I sat down and I listened to every song, and I slowly started writing in my notebook because I write everything in a notebook. And so I wrote down, you know, CB Mac, Chemo, Holden, because I, I think all of you guys were on it at one point or another. Maybe you guys I've liked. personally never been on one of these mixtapes, to my knowledge. Unless I'm there and, like, nobody, like... Because if I'm there, I had no idea I'm there. Well, that would be wild. But, like... I'm telling you, I think you're here somewhere, man. Like, I'm, I'm 99%... Scribble mixtape? Say what? Nah, I know chemo there. Let me, this. Let me look through. It's I, one of the ones I think we did. I don't, like... Dude, it, it would be a memory that I've lost about how I have... How I know about you. Like, I swear to God, you were on one of these... I know Kimo, because Kimo brought me into a group chat with y'all. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Are you sure? Bro, I'd never paid to be on a mixtape in my life. <laughs> no, man. I, I swear to God that I thought that Kimo maybe put, uh, put you on here. Uh, no, you're, oh, wait, no, there's Kimo and CB Mac. Okay, yeah, the Metaphor Madness. I love that track. So that's where that one came from. That makes and I listen to me that, like me because I'm like yo. I mean, I did two songs with Chemo ever. One of them's on my album, or a remix to one of the tracks on my album, and the other one is on his project that he just dropped. And then he fucking rejected my other verse. He's like, "Fuck your verse." And then he didn't like anything. I'm like, you know what? This has never happened in my life. Fine. And then I did what he wanted, and then he still hated it. And I'm like, I knew this was a bad decision. What I did the first time was fucking lit. It was this smooth-ass verse. It was nice, but whatever. It's Kimo's song. Kimo didn't like it. Kimo put his song out. I love the Kimo. Now I'm on that other track with Kimo. It is what it is. Kimo got me booked, yo. Everybody can say anything about anybody. A person who gets you booked in the middle of COVID at two random-ass shows, that's somebody you jump on their track. So you know what I'm saying? You, you hold them down. Yeah. And so, like, I went through I and I listened shit. to all the. He got my name on your flyer. <laughs> yeah, man. Like he was doing, he was doing cool. He does cool stuff. I like his verses a lot. And that's where, like, listening to those entire mixtapes, it kind of like you know, like, it wasn't like you know, like me thinking that you know, like, getting my track on this mixtape is going to be the largest thing in my career that I'm hoping to have. But it unlocked me to this weird this weird realm of artists very, very, very early on that I was like, I want to do some work with these guys. Like, you know, hearing like, you know, CB Mac and Chemo, I was like, I want to do work with them. We did work with one guy on there, West Haven. We did four tracks with him. That was, that was great. Those are some of my favorite tracks we've ever done. 
And so it gave me like this weird little network of artists that I would listen to their music. I know they're in the same boat that I'm in and I'd like to do music with them. And so, you know, I reached out to everybody at once. Uh, a few of them have done, you know, the festivals with us, obviously, uh, You've, you know, I found you through chemo, so it's been a very you know, weird, chemo, like... Chemo no. dragged, like, a hundred people into a group chat, and they didn't explain what the fuck anybody was getting into. And then, listen, bro, that whole thing was so weird for me, but then you were like, Scribble. I'm like, like, Scribble, Scribble? And then you were like, yeah. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll take this seriously. Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, here we are. But yeah. This is are crazy. The verses are crazy, uh, produced by everybody at Enigmatic. Uh, so actually, yeah, a few of them are... Scribble, now you have the Scribble project coming, that you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the project that uh, is coming out. But yeah, man, those mixtapes were... Those mixtapes were sick. Like, they, they definitely opened up a portal to something. And they were cheap, like, very cheap, especially, like, going into it as a duo we pay everything 50 50 right so cheap just becomes cheaper at a certain point where it's just like sometimes you're like well why not like you know we could we could either order some extra pizza tonight or we could just unlock this weird little network of stuff and it and that scribble stuff was like i said man we went back for two more i was grateful that we did the first one and i was locked into the next one waiting for the next one obviously you know i think i think it got put on hold a little bit because uh we asked them to do eight tracks so like, I think there's a little bit of a gap there for him. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> Scribble Scribble. He's doing his Scribble shit. I don't know. He's got, yeah, a, he's got a project coming. I don't know if I'm supposed to leak that, but he hit me in the DMs like, yo, check it. New EP coming. I'm like, yo, say where? We getting back into album reviews. So, like, all things considered, me and Scribble linked up like that. So, that's fire that um, he's busy. He's a busy dude. That guy's like actually doing it doing it like he's in that tier where when he shares his spotify stats it's not fake and it is impressive dude and when he when when he uh when you request work and you get that work you, there's not a moment where you're listening to it and you're like this is you're like this is not worth it you're, the whole time you're like this is exactly you know like because like i said man i listened to his stuff before obviously you know then his uh the black eyed children that album came out that was sick shit that was that just added to what i already was thinking i was like okay definitely 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 i think the day that i was fucking walking my dog listening to it i think my dog got pissed because i just like i stopped and i was like cujo sit and i just started like fucking like you know looking at my phone and just typing away like fucking madman like right to liam you know right to scribble at the same time like yo i I got this idea. I'd really like to, you know, get this done. I think that you're the person that'll be like, you know, one of the best people to really hit this project with. And I don't second guess it ever. Dude, that is like this finished product with his verses on it are going to be some of the, like, especially for the label. That's what it is. It's produced by the label. It's going to be engineered by the label. Uh, we brought in all the features from outside. It features everybody from the inside of the label. It's going to be a really, a really, really cool, like kind of showcase of what we can do in the future with an artist that I, I quite like, like I quite like his work. So why the hell not? Right. Like it was, and those mixtapes were dope. He, his work is crazy. Uh, work and like I said, man, we got, those, we got those back and it was like, dude, we, I got them back Christmas Eve and I was listening to them and I was just like, Holy shit. I was like, this is, this is it. I was like, this is exactly what it is. Mm. That's fair, man. I mean, I'm excited for it. Uh, I mean, 
none of this is like i might be reacting funny to y'all but like i've been like listening to this in the dm group chat for like fucking a couple months now on the real so i'm like i'm like very aware of this shit and i'm like yo scribble turns out i'm gonna be on a project with you and then he's like haha yeah those guys they're, they're fucking fun never never bad it was just like because you know, i hit him up i'm like yo for real scribble it's all like weird how our worlds connect like this i don't know and chemo because chemo dude. is the key yeah, to chemo. more greatness. Then, that, dude, for real, that guy. I hit that guy up and like, and I get like six voice messages back and I just sit there and I just listen to his voice messages forever. And then like, as I'm replying, he's sending me more and like, it's no, just no, we, so much I knowledge. chat with that guy. So I get two voice messages. Holden, I know you're busy and you hate voice messages, but <laughs> I can't do it right now. And then he like sends me six short voice messages where he thinks about what he wants to say first. Dude, that, I love conversing with him. It's so good. I chat He's the only lot. guy who sends the voice messages. Him and Scribble. Scribble sends his, but obviously Scribble sends more text messages than uh than Kimo does. I think Kimo's like, you know, 90% voice and then 10% text. You just gotta have a chat with him. You can be like, yo, I spoke to Holden. And he was telling me how you get him to chat more. And then he'd be like, ah, oh, fuck it, hold it. And then it's all good. Hey, yo, Kimo. Hey, yo, Kimo, you're here. <laughs> oh, Kimo never pulls through on the Twitch. He's like out there being Kimo, doing his Kimo stuff, figuring out his Kimo life. He's like a fucking wild animal, man. I think he just like prowls the wild and does Kimo things like you're saying. Well, what I like about Kimo is that he's tenacious. He did, His skill level as a rapper is almost not relevant to the conversation because Kimo is hungry in a way that a lot of people are not hungry like chemo's like you know what montreal you're not giving me what i want fuck that and he'll start spam dming the entire universe to get what he wants out of it and i believe chemo is going to turn into a literal key to more greatness for a lot of people and a lot of people are going to be surprised understandably so but i'm not going to be surprised because <clears throat> all he's no, it's happened multiple times for me where Kimo's tenacious thirst for finding shit has benefited me by affiliation because I just, you know, fucked with Kimo on some random shit. It was random shit. And now he's just there. He's Kimo, you know? He's the key to more greatness. Yeah, man. He reminds me of, like, a French me with a lot more hair. Like, he just, he grinds the random avenues and then he just explores what comes from the random avenue no matter what the turnout is and it's great like you know obviously it led to you obviously you know i think it keeps cb mac in place sometimes you know cb mac will keep chemo in place sometimes if you know one's not answering then the other one will kind of hit the other one up like it, it's really nice man it's 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 really cool that you know they're there that like, they were on the mixtape and like you're saying everybody's worlds connect man and that was that was a really weird like you know la to montreal to Ontario connection. Very odd. Yeah. Um, and it caught me off guard a little bit. So tell the people a little bit about your vision for entertainment companies once the governments of our various places let us play nicely legally again. <laughs> I really, uh, I'm already starting, like, since we had our conversation about that, I started looking more at the local scene. Like, I want to find out, like, more like what rappers are surrounding me so that, you know, I can at least, I can at least find 
you know, like what, what surrounds me, what I can build off of, you know, if there's a roster, what the roster could consist of, uh, how sketchy are these people? No sketchy folks allowed. Like that's a big brand, like boom, stamped right on it. No sketchy fuckers allowed. So like, I, I ain't in this shit to get robbed. I've been robbed. I ain't doing hip hop. So let's, uh, let's cross that one off the fucking board right now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like, I really, I really want to just like, kind of, you know, especially if you're going to be in play with it, like go kind of like the, the Montreal to like my area, like where I am in Southern Ontario is a very big, uh, a very big uh, college university uh, with shows that just go on like no tomorrow, like La Coca Nostra was one of those ones I was saying they came through one of those weird, like little, uh, little waterloo bars out here man they came through and they did a wicked set i i missed it i i am very pissed that i missed it it's one of those things where you know like my live show sometimes you know i find out about shit too late and that's what i'm really trying to change by uh you know contacting the people that are a big part of the area and what i do here and uh kind of you know get the knowledge off of them as well like i don't want to be the person that's always sitting there trying to figure stuff out in the dark one thing i really do like is uh you know, you know consulting Paulo for the follow i feel like i earned that follow because he was like a little earlier like we'll see how this goes and i respect that about you next apollo dude yeah man next apollo's here for the, the long grind but uh like another big thing uh like with what what i want to do is like kind of start like at least in the future, once I figure this out, like, you know, like a hall, a concert hall, like something like that, where we can, ha we can book the shows, we can control the lineup and then, and then kind of build off. What's really and go, next important is that we take that live feed or whatever the fuck you're doing, blend it with the internet and bring it into virtual reality at the same time. I'm just going to add that to the table. Dude, I'm going to trip. Like I said, I've never done virtual reality. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to trip. I'm going to put that headset on, dude. I'm going to be real. When I bring up VR, I think people misunderstand it a little bit. It's not like as a consumer. It's as the infrastructure to create the content and distribute live experiences to the consumer. Frankly, we wouldn't necessarily be wearing the damn helmets in my utopia because we'd be fucking rapping and shit. But cameras would be picking us up in the room. Like, they have the, the fucking... It's like, you need, like, 30 fucking cameras in a room. Then you get the Lil Nas X fucking suits. You know, like, I don't know if you ever got those ads, but they used to come in my way, and they're, like, 1500 per. And then you wear that shit. Then you get Coder Unity motherfucker, who knows how they do that shit, to take the mapping of that, whatnot. Attach on the avatar, which has been photorealistically created. Now you're going to broadcast that into a virtual environment. Upon which, you leverage AR technology in that room in order to fucking see the audience and shit. That's the future to me. Meanwhile, you have motherfuckers in real life in the room, but everybody could pull up the app and see the fucking avatars. And then the avatars could see like photorealism or like the fucking shots of the people in the screen. Oh. Then people in the people in the real life would see like a screen in the back and it would show them like a mirror image of what's going on on the other side. Like that's the type of shit that we gotta be getting on. That's what I mean when I say VR. I don't fucking care about the games. <laughs> That's the boring Dude, shit. That is, that's some. That's wild. I I know I've heard it before, but I've never heard it like vocally. When you hear it vocally, it's it's fleshed out a lot different. It makes a lot more. Right. Uh, if you can, if the right people come together, bro, imagine a music video in a three D environment. But now, when you're performing your live set, the music video is triggered to perform around you. 
Yeah. True. That would, dude, that would be some crazy, crazy green screen shit. It's like beyond green screen. It's like straight up almost video game design. Well, shit. I got to find somebody that knows how to do that. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, I'm like trying to, my brain is a little bit too far in the future and I got to get real back into the presence. But in the meantime, it's really as simple as taking your live feed wherever it is and making sure you put whatever IRL shit you do now has to go on Twitch. Like if you do a live yeah. show, it's got to go on Twitch. And if it's on Twitch, you get a man's who sits in the VR room and his job is in the VR room to greet people while the Twitch plays and everybody else is out there doing the other shit. And then that should be sufficient to grow an audience in VR now. So that when meta goes mainstream, shit's already in motion. Cause otherwise it's like, what? We all true, gotta true. wait to like everybody that's rich did it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I definitely want to, it would be it would be wild. That would be something that I would love to be a part of. I want to get that. Like you know, we'll attack that live show as well. Once our government stops uh, keeping y'all at home and keeping me at home, like you guys have curfews? everybody. Else. No, yeah, yeah. Are you guys? Do you guys have stores open on Sunday? Uh, I think so. Mm, that's yeah, yeah, I think so. Do you guys? No, not at the moment. <laughs> Not, not really. Nope. No, I think it's. I don't know if there's an end date for our curfew, but we have curfew again, and like shows, be, like stores be like closed on Sunday, and they're talking about vaccination passports for the grocery store, which is like <laughs> wild, but like expected, but wild to think about as a concept. But then you're like, yeah, but there's delivery, so like you could, because yo, even like the local metro by me shows up in Uber Eats. Metro's a grocery store. Um, so you're like, oh, say words. So they like stacked this shit up. Now they made sure you could get your shit so that they can do this and make it a real, and I'm like, whoa, that's some big boy moves. Those are big boy moves. People out there there think you're just high as fuck and think I'm high as fuck and talking about some real. Because vaccination rates in Quebec just took a dramatic increase as multiple people signed up for the first dose ever. Dude, it's like, I can't believe y'all got to be home at a certain time. That's some like, uh, that's like a movie. Yo, it's like, I know I'm streaming today. Like, we had to make sure groceries was taken care of. <laughs> like, we was good earlier today. Because, like, shit, um, I'm sure the stores close at 9.30 and by, like, I don't know what time it is for y'all, but it's 9 now. Um, and by 10 yeah. o'clock, the entirety of <clears throat> everything is locked down unless you got the paper that says you're allowed out. Now, are people respecting that? I don't know. But I'm not brave enough to go out there past curfew. I'm not one of those people. I'm more of an internet motherfucker talking about it. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy, man. Holy shit. It's wild. Like, Dude, y'all gonna be... Whoa. Y'all gonna present papers that say you're allowed out of the house. Past 10 o'clock at night and five. Because, yo, like, let's say you have one of those jobs. Like, you're a, you're an Uber Eats guy. Oh, true, like, true, 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 true. You gotta have like a paper. Um, so yeah, because like last time they did this, as Bonnie just said, like the first, because you know, it was like five months and it was mostly eight o'clock and then like 10 o'clock, or it was like, okay, now we're letting you have a couple hours of outsideness. But it was like 
five months of wild. So I'm not like hopeful that this shit. But meanwhile, my work's like, yo, come back to work in February, two days a week, bro. And I'm like, this is weird. I'm not saying any one of these people is being weird individually. I'm saying being alive in these times is weird. Yeah, man. Weird. Especially because, yeah, like I'm saying, other people listening, they won't understand that, like, this is the truth. That, like, for some reason, like, they're down there, like, you know, having festivals and stuff, and you're at home and you can't leave past 10. I've been watching motherfuckers get booked in Ontario, and I'm like, fucking crossing the border? Ford said no. And I'm, like, all respecting that shit, which is maybe not to my advantage, but, like, in general, I have not violated many COVID rules. I've only violated a few. Um, yeah. And I tried my best to, like, not go and do super bait shit once it got really scary with curfews and shit. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I see, it like, Ontario be a little more lit, a little more active, a little more fun. Yeah, man, just until, like, you know, our fun right now is that we can go out at 10 on 1. Like that's not, <laughs> that's when our fun really begins, Ooh, dude. But that's fun. You, you don't, you don't, it it's like you nothing's don't, open. But you can be outside, bro. You know, technically, in a lot mm-hmm. of places, you can't smoke weed inside. True, dude. Like imagine, like like at ten oh one, I can legally like lick a tree. Bro, it sounds better than it like should, but like you gotta understand, like. Once it's taken from you, you're like, huh, gosh, okay, I'm not feeling it yet, but let's say this shit runs till March or something, bro, by the time it's, like, nice out at, like, 8 o'clock, and I'm like, bro. I'm like, I just want to lick a fucking tree at 10 one you goddamn commie bastards, you can let me lick a tree. I know it's kind of weird, but, like, yo, sometimes you got to cope with that shit. Like, this is actually actual factual reality of what it's like in Quebec right now. I don't know where you at in the world, but that's some Quebec shit right there. I don't think think we've ever had a time. Like, I don't think we've ever – we've had, you know, capacity limits. We've had, you know, like, obviously, you know, like, quarantines, you know, where if you're sick, you can't go out. But we haven't had, to my knowledge, like, I'm I'm high all the time, man. But to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever had a time. My homeboy's in Toronto. We've been kind of, like, comparing notes over the course of it. Yeah, we've never had a time. We've always had a – we've always had, like, a, you know, set set of rules, but – yeah, man, I could lick I could lick trees at ten oh one the entire pandemic. All I know is I got to go to a couple of live music events. One of them was more above ground. One of them was super underground, and maybe I shouldn't have been there, but it was fire stills. Um, uh, like those two events, and then it, like the world got taken away, and I'm like, ah. Yeah, I'm almost like, he's like, yo, somebody's coming in, like Conway the Machine's coming to Montreal, everybody would be copping tickets, and like a week later, it's like, curfew's coming, my friends, vaccination passports to go to the SAQ, which is the only way you can cop booze, right? So now, that's live, I think, as of the 18th, or something, so as of the 18th, you need to be vaccinated to buy alcohol at the liquor store, on some real shit, and I'm like... Look, like, I don't even know if I'm for or against this shit. What's up, EZLD? Because personally, like, I'm vaccinated. I'm going to get the booster. It is what it is, bro. I plan on being in public. It's like, I'm just going to do it. 
But like the fact that the government be acting like this is wild. It's kind of weird. But like it's also is it right? Yeah. Is it wrong? I don't fucking know. But it freaks me out a bit. It's kind of weird just because like yeah, whether you know if you want to do it or you don't. Like it's just kind of weird that you have to just to get like simple, simple stuff done during the day. What's so gonna be? Like, if you want to have any semblance of real life. And, yo, just keep in mind, precedent's being set where I'm at. It's coming to you, everyone. Coming to a place near yeah, you. <laughs> Enjoy your damn freedom. Fucking time curfews are coming here next in Ontario. I don't know. People right. in the States don't understand, man. People in the States don't get it. No, I hope it doesn't when come I, when back. When I went to New York it. City, it was fucking wild, right? Like, cause, like there, nobody wore masks. Or, like, a lot... Okay, you knew where you could wear a mask, and you knew where you had to wear a mask, sorry. You knew where you had to, and you knew where you, you could just not. And, like, there would be, like, signs in, like, fucking places that were, like, masks are optional. And I'm like, I haven't been in a store without a mask on. I know. I don't care. I just... It felt so good. And that was, like, it was wild to walk into stores with a mask, bro. Like, you don't even know. Like, it sounds cool. It sounds wild that I'm, like, reveling. Oh, my God. I went shopping and there wasn't a mask on. Because I went in today and I'm fucking blind. Fucking blind in the store because the glass is fogging. Having to, like, yeah. stop. Take my glasses off. Try and defog them a bit. You know? But it's not even, like, the air. It's the temperature. It's, like, frozen yeah. hot. And you're, like, oh. Anyway. I'm done ranting about this shit, but Dude, my favorite part is some days when I wake up, like, you know, I'll do a stretch of days where I don't go into a store, you know, I don't do anything like that. And then my high ass will just walk in and just start walking around, man. And everybody's looking at me. I'm like, yo, what is up with these people? And I'll be deep in the store and I won't have a mask on. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that's a thing. And so I like dig in my pockets, fucking whip that shit out, smack it on. Everybody's staring at me like, look at this guy. What the hell is he doing? We got a sign <laughs> on our door that says, don't forget your mask. <laughs> and it's a real sign. <laughs> we keep that shit on the door so that you go... Oh, yeah, because it works. Sometimes you forget your mask, and then you miss your bus or whatever. And yeah. It's not good times. Um, it's like a common place to me. I'll whip the door open, fucking storm in. I'll be like, no, y'all, it's good. And then everybody's like, your mask, your mask. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, slam that shit on. Yeah, no, but it's like, I don't know. It's going to be a strange future, but I definitely think it means that whatever we do, the one thing I can say about the live scene, I know a lot of people are like, yo, the live scene, hottest shit in the world. There's like facts, but yo, there's a lot of people that never liked it and now they have options like Twitch and they're never going back. So uh -huh. like the total population of people that will ever be interested in the live scene outside of college age has dropped. That's like a real thing in terms of low end shit. Cause yo, people be finding alternatives now. Everyone's had like two years to develop habits and hobbies and like things where now you have choices of what you're going to do on a Friday night. And then the virtual realm just has to be included. Like, I just, I don't know. I can't emphasize that enough. Fest. It almost lets you create a festival on like the cheap. Yeah. yeah. Dude, dude, there's got to be a way to combine both nice camera at a live show, nice camera with a nice mic at a live show. So everything ain't too booming for it. Stream that shit to Twitch for, you know, an entrance fee. That's, Suddenly, like, you know, like an eighth or a sixth of, like, you know, an actual ticket price so that it's, A, the experience, but at least you get to, it's you like, know, be there. Do that time. shit. Like, you know, like, even Facebook will let you do that. Put, like, a link yeah. to a ticket pro or whatever. Yo, world's wild.
But the other part about it is that some people, including I think a lot of those people that sent you music videos and shit, because you're the first time I saw one of your festivals, and I'm like, did I fuck up? What the fuck did everybody send this man? Everybody's all polished and engineered, and I'm like, <laughs> fucking dying on the mic because I'm like not in shape at all, and that was super sloppy that first one. That's what we want more of, dude. We want more of the stuff that's like that. Like we want to get away from the stuff that's so polished, so polished. Like it's like a lot of people be doing crazy shits, like whole careers where they go from like fucking super polished, whole live shows and everything. But like they, I guess even without the live show, like they able to just have an entire career without the live show. Like if you look at what's happening in band Twitch, like because music Twitch is broken up, I guess, into the various genres. But if you got like a little guitar and you go and you know, like 18 tunes people fuck with and you got your originals, bro, you was guaranteed like a couple hundo a month. It's almost guaranteed yeah. at this point. It's not guaranteed if you're a rapper unless you're freestyling for words. What I mean is if you're a rapper and your chit your Twitch chat becomes like a source of words for people, you can make hella bank freestyling on Twitch. It's weird to me because not my favorite kind of content, but like that's what's hot. I can't tell people what's hot or not. Like my cousins be all into that shit. They're like, Oh, it's the hottest shit ever. I'm like, Okay. It's not my favorite. But like that's what's hot. And I realized there's these lanes on Twitch. But you gotta realize these are now rev sources. Motherfuckers are paying rent. They're like, yo, do I need stolen gear no more? Nah, B. Not everyone, but a percentage. Now what happens is as all these little percentages add up, the live game is never gonna be the same. And that's why it's like I don't know where it goes. But I just wanna make sure people know that I thought about that shit. And that's like, you know, like it's gotta be just taken in. Plus this shit. I don't think a lot of bars have fully accounted for weed. I was holding up Dude, that's why you have the ones with the outdoor venues and stuff. Like the indoor venues, you got to do like, you know, like a little a little smoke break. Even like, you know, account for that kind of stuff. Because, you know, everywhere here it's legal, right? Like down in the States, you know, their, their live team is crazy because, you know, they've only had like during their breaks like their breaks haven't been like ours you know what i mean where it's been months and months and months like they've had like maybe like eight weeks six weeks but it's different different areas so people are still touring in different states they're just avoiding the ones that they can't you know comply to the restrictions or whatever like that this it's that's why like you know the canadian we got to get back there but like the states it's weird to see because like you know and then like you know one state will close down while the other one's been open or the, while the other one's been closed for like six months or like six weeks, sorry, now it's open again. And then you just have like this weird rotation where artists are still, you know, doing like full tours, but they just have to cancel like, you know, one, two shows out there. It's a, it's a lot weirder than up here where like up here you have like the gamble. You're like, oh shit, is this show going to happen? And that's the worst thing. The worst. Uh, another thing with the States though in general versus Canada is that it's super hard to replicate the geography lottery that they do have in general. So like, I don't, oh Aruda resigned. So that's big news for Quebec. In case y'all don't know, Aruda is our health minister person, and that's like having oh, that's like having the Fauci resign. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Yeah, basically. Um, so like on top of what you're saying, it's like Canada. We can't replicate that. <laughs> like we can sort of micro replicate it, but like on a big city level. <laughs> Yo, like these people are going to be going to like sizable populations. I've been talking to American artists and stuff, and um, 
it's like you got like Boston and like fucking all these other places. Like everything in Fallout is kind of near each other, and like the the Washington. And, yeah, like, all these things are like really like like you fit all that between Montreal and Toronto. That's like a lot. That's of, like Canadian. Sorry, Canadian too. They happen in in like kind of spurts. From what I've been seeing, you know, you'll have a spurt where it'll be like you know if you hit all the provinces across like you know east to west west to east whichever way you go you really capitalize on uh like you know kind of booking it that you'll have multiple vancouver shows because vancouver has multiple different spots it's a great 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 for hip-hop then as you move you know kind of more towards where what we're doing over here on the eastern front of canada that's more like uh you know, like those in between provinces from uh, Vancouver and Ontario, like, you know, like your Manitoba, the Saskatchewan, Alberta, uh, that kind of shit. Like those ones you hit, like, you know, if you're going to do like a Friday, Saturday, or like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you do those like one show in one province and then hit the next province for one city. Like you don't stick around in those like, provinces. Bro, that shit is so far compared to other places. Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying. That's why. Like, like you can That's hit some of these crazy. things like three hours drives apart in the states, where like for us it's like eight to ten hour drives apart for the same. Like, yeah, man. Thing. If it's Canadian, you want to be doing like you either want to be doing as smaller. You want to be doing Ontario, and you want to be doing you want Vancouver. You want nothing in between because you know nothing in between there really is going to help you. Like it's not. There's not scenes big enough for you to hit mul- unless you can book like the, the same city, multiple different venues, like throughout the same city. But then you have like, you know, you, you have to hit people that are unique because not one person is going to, you know, spend three tickets worth of shit over a weekend. So that's why those cities become kind of null. Like you don't, you want to hit a full Canadian one when you're big enough to fly in between and you can kind of, you know, doze off in between the, so the cities that are like, how, so like how do you like, bridge that gap right how do you go from like one to the next that's why i'm saying the internet has to be there because the one thing that's th- the internet's done for me is it got me interviews with people i didn't have to fly out here and i didn't have to fly to them and that unlocked a lot of doors for me so i'm like oh say yeah, even like the musically dude like fucking down in the states no like texas or some shit like you know somewhere like far i'm like that's never gonna have happened in a world where we have to deal with travels you know so like you can have fans from places that are just wildly not where you are and leverage that. And you can basically perform out of rooms with small fucking audiences. And I see that being like a hella lucrative market because it'll give you that fix. You'll have like 50 people in the room, but you're planning for 50 people in the room. That's the goal. So it's like, you know, not like a sad thing to see 50 people in the room. And then the internet's just the rest of it. Dude, it's gonna be it's gonna be a combination of both for sure. Because like for Canadians, one thing that we would have to kind of do is build like, you know, from here either, you know, a willing connection with, you know, a cheap flight to Vancouver or, you know, from us to you and then the southern states right below us, like stuff that is a very, very close box, you know, build a diamond of cities, build like that kind of a thing. Because right close to the border as well, like, you know, Niagara, Buffalo, like, that's an area as well. Yeah. Like, ton of areas like that. Do you kind of build, like, a little a little diamond, you know, meet the artists in those areas, build up, like, a connection online, and then 
you know, doing like a show, like a few shows up in the, you know, like the little university circuit we have here, you know, just doing, a, you know, one or two things in Montreal, do that, you know, get some stuff going. Well, and then Montreal, whatever, like you would, you'd honestly just look at small town Quebec the same way, like small town Ontario, like I'd hit Sherbrooke. Um, fuck, I don't know. I don't even know if Quebec City is viable. I've never really thought about it, but Quebec City's got half a million people. There's got to be a few people that would fuck with English. I don't know. Um, and then, like, yo, because I know Homeboy. And Homeboy basically did the Northern Quebec circuit. And, man, they're doing things now. And I watched them back when they was, like, way back. And all they did was, like, bro, they're telling you, like, these small towns in Quebec, ain't nobody come up there. So when they hear Montreal, they're there. And you pull in, like, 200 yeah. people every show because there's nothing else happening until you come back. Yeah, man, and that's the thing, and like, like you know, we obviously don't have the hip hop scene, you know, for for local artists the way that, you know, some large American cities do. Like up here, you know, you have to be from certain little areas, like you know, Toronto, follow a certain style. Be out in Vancouver, follow a certain style. Out there, it's more lenient, though. I find there's a lot more like uh, cool lyricists. I like, you know, out east, out west, than there is, you know, in the middle provinces, but um. It's it's it, it's doable, and that's what it is. Like you're saying, like those guys doing it. Like you got to just have like you know you got to know like where it is. You know, like what are some halls that have like you know when it's acts that you know when you look them up and you see what acts have been there previously, and the acts aren't very big, but they continuously have like a decent turnout to at least come back. And you know you check, then you're like, holy shit! Like you know, this is this might be a place that if something's happening Friday night, Saturday night, it looks like people might just be rolling in, like a local, a local hub that people have just for you know, a certain amount of years. Like we've had a few of those around here. They closed uh, before COVID, not during COVID. They were, uh, you know, when our local metal scene, that's what it was. Like our local metal scene here was huge, and like the shows going on were crazy. But then, like, some of the bands just slowly died out. And that's where, like, there's a scene here that I don't see the local thing happening. And it's before it was fucking huge. And so it's one of those things where, like, I think it's just waiting for that injection of what it wants and what it needs. And then it gets vibrant again. Like, I know that I know that hip-hop, local hip-hop in Guelph, uh, in Kitchener, uh, I know that there's like big artists that come through here and use like the artists around here as openers and whatnot. So kind of, you know, trying to find those artists, trying to find which ones are, you know, within our threshold and uh, building from there even is a big one. Cause obviously if they're opening for somebody that is big, they have the connections in the area to at least know more artists where we can hopefully put on a show with, like I said, rule number one stamped. I don't get robbed. No sketchy people. <laughs> I love that rule. That's an interesting rule. I wish the best of luck in that rule. I don't know how to avoid sketchy people in life. If I knew the secret to avoiding sketchy people, my life would probably be farther along. Dude, that gut feeling, man. And if you get that gut feeling, 10 times out of 10, it's right. I've, I've not trusted that gut feeling before. I just ended up like out of hundreds of dollars and shit like that. And then like, I trust my gut feeling and you know, like, your friend doesn't is, trust is it's like fishing link scams. You're all good until the time you're not. And then you click the link and then you're making the post. Hey guys, my Instagram got hacked. Uh, if you get somebody hitting you up with the crypto, it's not actually me. At this point, everyone out there, we all know. 
we all know that if we're getting the crypto link, you got hacked. You don't need to tell us at that point. I know. Like, you know, you just come back, make your regular posts, hopefully, or just be like, hey, here's oh, my man, new account. Like locking people out. Like, you just got to come with a new account. Like, that account's deaded for 90 days is when it, because it happened to Homegirl. And um, it got deaded for, like, 90 days. Like, Instagram won't intervene, and it's all automated and shit. Yeah. So it's, like, real deal shit. And then they have access to, like, everything in your account. It's actually kind of scary when it happens. I'm just saying, if I'm getting crypto pictures, I'm aware you got hacked. <clears throat> I just I know at that point, your account is compromised. I should mute it and report it and let you know on some other platform. Because that's what happens now. And I know everybody knows five people that this happened to right now. Dude, for some reason, everybody knows at least five. That's a good number because it happens to everybody. You just open your Instagram one day and there's there's a new car, there's a Mercedes, there's a house, and there's 15 or 16 grand. And you're like, okay, it happened. Yeah, like, yeah that doesn't make sense. Or like somebody will hit you up and I'm like, you've never talked to me before. Ooh. And now you want a grand. You sent me a picture. Ooh. Do you want an NFT? No, I don't want your, you know, like, it's just like, it's a weird time. <laughs> Social media has evolved into a weird place. That's why it's like, it's also like the random stance of me ending up in this group chat with you and this all working out. That's not how it normally goes in group chats. I'm going to be frank with y'all. Group chats no, into nothing real quick in my experience. And that's why like a lot of what I do. I keep hearing in my experience, it doesn't work. And that's why I'm glad like keep, you know, trekking forward with everything I keep doing works out. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. Uh, sometimes, you know, scenarios, it is a lot of money. Uh, we've invested. Uh, one of the cornerstones for the label was uh, buying out a producer that we originally worked with. Uh, we bought out his entire catalog for a hefty amount, but it's all exclusive. There was no, you know, premium beat uh licenses no no weird licenses all exclusive licenses and shit and that was you know the real because how could we you know really ask people to come join us without beats at least showing that we had something to offer you know because we can't we can't you know advertise to rappers you know hey we can uh we can wait about you know a few weeks until we get producers and then we can make your album we had to have something right up front like hey we can produce your album right away like 100 percent, we'll pay for it we'll get your album produced we'll uh we'll bring engineers on board and that was you know the big the big thing thankfully we had producers uh come on board really quickly like one of the early ones was steezy the guy that's uh one of our you know one of our leads same with the barber so it was like it was a quick turnaround for like what i thought it was going to be but yeah we bought out that producer to really you know be the first step to show that we were going to be legit entering this that you know we weren't going to come in just relying on artist built content that we were going to at least bring services that people didn't know about the people you know you know you're looking for oh can i use this beat i don't really want to pay for this exclusive and we were just hitting you up like select whatever you want this is your exclusives do with do with it what you will you know just the only thing we ask is don't use any bars that hella sync the label uh that's where we step in and our th our, our limitation for what can sync the label is probably different from what people think nowadays like i'm not going to give an example because that would sync the label like <laughs> I mean, obviously we're talking bad bad like fucking like 
you do you do dumb shit. You know what cancel culture is. I don't agree with a lot of cancel culture, but you do dumb shit. You know, you play your stupid games, you win stupid prizes. So we're trying to avoid that. Mm. No, I hear you. I mean, I feel like it's totally fair to have any level of ethical and tone guidelines to your enterprise. That's just how business works. Yeah, like, look, like one of the first songs I referenced in here was like Immortal Technique, Dance of the Devil. Like that is some, that's some next level shit. Like that, that kid, like, you know, I'm not going to say, I don't know what Twitch's limitations are, but that song is deep. That song is dark. We're down for that. Like I'm down for anything that's not, you know, just going to be like horrifically, obviously looking for attention. That's it. If you're just looking for attention off a bar, that's seeking attention. That's, that's label syncing worthy. I hear what you're saying. You need to be able to defend that shit if somebody comes at you. I hear you. Yeah, like we we hold no creative control over what anybody does. Obviously, you want to dive through our bars as a duo. There is stuff my buddy has said that's probably label syncing in other labels. So like, it's underground. I appreciate horrorcore music. Check out some Necro. Uh, listen to Necro. Listen to Ill Bill. That shit is something else. Listen to some Scribble. Listen to some some of that stuff. You'll see that like. What we play on our radio station, listen to that. It's a good threshold for what we allow, but obviously there's stuff, there's subjects you just don't want to touch on. And that like that is a very like small, small list. Like very small list. Yeah, everything's about context. You can totally approach any subject if you do it right. Exactly. If you're wow. doing it for just value and attention, that's not that's not going to be a good idea, though. Because you could do it. It doesn't yeah. mean you're going to get fans off that move, though. That's what I think people don't. That's the one thing about cancel culture. Sometimes it's not like you're getting canceled by a system. It's more like you read, you were the, room, dumb. You read the room wrong, and a lot of loud people on Twitter are canceling you. And yeah. That's my perception of a lot of cancel culture. Like, look, every time I say that, motherfuckers go and find me every news article in the world they can about these random ass stories where companies clip people for saying dumb shit. I cleaned my Facebook, bros. I can say this out there. For over a year, I went on memory of the day and I deleted all the dumb shit. Everyone can do this. There's a solution. I don't know what else to tell you. The world's wild. But... Most companies, I think, are not giving into that. Like my company, I can't give details, but because I'm the social media guy, we get the Facebook weirdos. And there was a situation where the HR's official policy was, nah, we are not cancel culture. And so that's more what happens. Nobody ever talks about how most companies actually empower free speech and shit. Instead, people like focus on these random ass Twitter people and like fucking extreme examples of Joe Blow Schmo's random rape joke. And it's like... Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, look, I got down that conversation with a lot of people. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying if you run any kind of statistical analysis, it basically doesn't exist. And when it happens to celebrities, they all get richer. Yeah. No, and that's it, man. Like, check out Horrorcore, a lot of that, like... Saying there's limitations always makes it sound like you know you'll you'll present a bar to us and we'll be like no bad get get rid of that. Nah, there's like a there. But like it's, it's kind of like happen. in line with your don't get me robbed. Like if you walking in and throwing up like some drill shit where you speaking out of pocket about actual people that might roll through your neighborhood 
that was Sink Your Label. Exactly. Like, there are some shit out there, like, where you're, like, listening and you're like, I'm never going to karaoke this song. I'm never going to sing this in public. This is a private holding song. Nobody, you know, like, some of this stuff is wild. And so, like, you just got to know your role in life, like, and then chances are, if that's the role that, like, it all makes sense, he's not rolling with you, you know, like, I get what you're saying. It's all about common with stuff, but... I mean, if you all in that horrific imagination, Rob Zombie horror flick brought to bars land, you all good. That's fair. Yeah, man. That's where there's limitations, but there's no limitations at the same time. Creative control is a big thing. Like anybody, everybody should have it. There's no, you know, make, just make love songs, just make happy songs, just make pretty songs like that. That would kill people. I would love to have this conversation with you in five years when you've had a fuck ton of data on what works and what doesn't, and then you're like coming at this a little differently. Is my thoughts moving? Like, so yeah, it's uh, it's 2027. We only make happy songs. We only make beautiful songs. You're like, bro, we made seven million dollars off of this child song that some guy did, and fuck that, we make jingles for a fucking kid show. And you're like, say words. Yeah, I, I ruined entire artist careers. I made them jingle artists. <laughs> Man, this is where the sync money's at, though. I've been learning about sync money a little bit, and sync money is some next level money. It's like you could sell a song for like five racks, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, how am I gonna sell my music now? <laughs> and now uh, that's like, holy crap. No, like the sync money, like, because I, I ended up on a random webinar call, and I found out that my songs are not appropriate for Canadian television but they do really good for HBO and a lot of other shit. So, like, we're not off the table. Just if you, if you rap about things, chances are you might not be good for Canadian television unless you're doing some super yeah. safe shit. But then if you look into stuff that would, like, license your kind of music and find the right agency and work with the right people and you get the right contacts and you find the right person that's looking for your song, you can sell that shit to video games, oh, yeah. to movies, to all the people. You never know. That's money. And there's a wild market out there, man. Like video game trailers, be the backing for that, be little cuts in that. It's a weird world, Dude, man. It's weird. I used to go from like, I want to tour stadiums too. I want to be in a movie and motherfuckers hear me. Like just, I'm the cut scene. The pivotal cut scene is my shit. Dude, that, and that would be, be crazy. And it's entirely possible. That's the cool thing. It's just about, you know, finding the right in, finding Hold the on. right. It's only entirely possible, from what I understand, if you don't fuck with samples. If you use samples, it's yeah. way, like, good luck. It costs them a lot more. No, I mean, like, sync people don't don't like that. The, the TV. Yeah, no, because if, if the movie company uses it, they got to go clear that sample, and then that's money out of their pocket, unless you're going to pay it for them. And then the production company like, fuck this yeah, they're like, I, I really love this song, but I'm not, I'm not clearing this sample. <laughs> nah, so it's like it's important if you are gonna go to sync game to not do the shit where homeboy grabs a thing off of YouTube and flips the beat, and none of that is like, like All you own the masters shit. to basically mixtapes at that point. It's kind of like what it is in yeah. like a legal front. Like, I don't know, like. I don't treat any of the mixtapes I released in the last year as like real music I own like that. Like I have music I own like that because man's can pull up the project files if we get sued. 
Like that's that was always important to me, right? And that's the shit you can sell to TV and whatnot. Is like when somebody yeah. can fucking prove that somebody you know wrote that shit and you have the rights to use it, not yeah. the sample stuff. You, it doesn't matter how you flip that sample. Somebody finds out one day, somebody can get sued, and that's yeah, a bad fucked. day for you. Down the line. Oh yeah, especially if it goes far, man. Imagine selling some shit to HBO and having them flip like a seven hundred fifty grand like lawsuit, and they just slam it on you. Like you God. open your mailbox, and you're like, "Whoa, what is this?" But that's kind of like, as I understand, what would happen if you sold some shit with samples in it and you got caught, and people would be like, "Well, if you don't get caught, nah, it's TV, bro. It's a different game. It's not Spotify where you're not gonna get caught. It's not YouTube. Yeah. It's like a different game. It's the real." somebody's watching somebody's searching somebody's running that through everything before that episode comes out or when that episode comes out somebody's just looking that through like oh that sounds familiar to a song i know yeah and then what'll end up happening is there's just a bunch of people on reddit that are like bro i'm gonna find every sample and everything and that's what they do for fun and that's then they end up making youtube videos about that shit and so like it's just that like it's kind of like if you end up getting successful here, it could hurt you. So I just recommend if you're going down the sync deal game, get some shit you really, really own. Not some shit you recorded on some beach homeboy made where really nobody owns it because y'all use samples. Yeah, definitely. Because at that point, you're kind of boned. All, like, samples always bring it, you know, a different angle. But yeah, once you hit TV, that's when the big lawyers are involved. Like in music, the big lawyers are involved, but you know most of the time, you can you can get away with stuff unless you know you're like your song explodes. But hopefully, then you know by the amount of money you made, you yeah. can at least force players to you know dumb that down. Well, it's just from what I understand, people just won't take shit with samples. Like they just be like, "Eh, it's got samples yeah. in it, I'm out." So like they'll, they'll they'll like ask you, they'll give you like, the, "Does this have samples? Don't even fucking play me, boy." And then uh, all the. But no, it's really, and I don't mean it like, because I know aesthetically, a lot of people, I personally know, anecdotally do this shit, and they invest a lot of time in that, and I just, like, question the long-term wisdom in it. Like, my, like, two main albums that I have, I just know 100% of that shit, A to Z, I own the copyright, 100% A to Z. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know that everybody really knows that when they be talking to indie artists. I want to, you know, that's the thing with the labels. Like, a lot of the anti-label people are also the same people that might be independent artists that don't know anything about the game. I'm talking about my past self. Y'all can wear the shoe if it fits. But, like, they'd be, like, not knowing anything about anything. They don't understand, um, I guess, like, any of the real business elements that go into it. The marketing plan. The branding how merch works, all the pieces. Like I had the last year of my life was like, oh, those are all the things I sucked at for the last nine years. That's why my career went nowhere. And now it's like I'm putting these pieces together and my career is like moving. And it's like, oh, say where? Look at that. I'm doing it. (laughs) You know, like, but that's when you start to realize like, okay, maybe having like some smart choices to make sure our own shit and, you know, things like, what does that really mean? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, say word, labels do a lot of heavy lifting that I don't want to do. And then I started thinking about, like, the game a lot differently. Do I necessarily want to sign my soul away to a label? No. But am I, like, opposed to it now? No. 
I just really have to like what the fuck I'm fucking with and energies and shit. Like it has to be like really like my cup of tea. But I realized as I yeah. got into it, everybody I know that's making moves either has big management or a label behind them. Why? Because they don't want to be social media managers. They want to be sitting there practicing their shit and going out there and filming cool vlog shit and like being influencers, not managers. Yeah, man. Having us send your uh, your shit around to podcasts and interviews and radio stations to play because that that ups like anytime we send anything through, we do see like a quick uptick in uh, artist plays. It's pretty cool. Like some of the stuff we send through ends up being like some radio stations, like they're uh, like not every track, but some of them like one or two will end up being like one of their most played tracks that we send through because like we send through like mostly the stuff that you know like. Either we send through a whole catalog of like, you know, 30 songs, choose through whatever you want. Or if they let us know whichever artist they liked the most out of what they heard, then we just link them like two tracks. Like, right, these are the two you want to play. Mm. And then boom, like sometimes those are the ones that rise right to the top of, you know, if it's a local station, if it's an online station, the local stations are really cool, man. Because sometimes I try to, you know, link up with more ones that are in the area of the artists themselves. And then try to get some local spins, you know, that one, that one's worked, you know, once or twice. I really hope it works a lot more this year. Really hope it works a lot more. Yeah. I still got a lot to learn. I know a lot about radio, but I still got a lot to learn about that one. And it, it's crazy, man. Like how many people are just driving in cars? Like how many people still have like a lot of cars out there, man? Like, you know, people will have their Bluetooth, but you know, they don't want to have their Bluetooth on. They're charging their phone. Their phone's dead. You know, the radio ends up on in, like, you know, some way or another, especially during, like, you know, rush hour. Myself, sometimes, you know, I I listen to a lot of music, and I don't always have, you know, just, like, even the capacity, man, to even make the decision, like, what the hell do I want to listen to now? I just smack the radio on and just, I just see, you know, is there something out there I haven't heard? Is there something I just want to, you know, check out that, you know, I, I look through features. I look through, you know, YouTube videos. Why not the radio as well? I love it, man. I, I might be like, you know, one, the one in the million there, but uh, I really, really, really. All you have to do is actually Google radio stats, which once I did, I shut the fuck up and I stopped saying radio is dead. It's not. Believe it or not, country music is keeping radio alive more than anything else. Talk music's keeping radio alive. And then it's all the rest of the shit you would expect. But um, we this is talk radio right here, baby. Uh, that's right, hot shit on the radio. Breakfast Club is what people give a shit about more than the fucking music. And that's where like, dude, you can load up an hour. You can go live for an hour. You could be fucking DJ Holden on Immortal Radio, the dude that comes on with live interviews that are scheduled and stuff for an hour here and there, here and there, here and there. Now, what I'm doing dude, is I'm just saying, oh, you want to air my shit after? Here's the audio file, my guy. Dude, and I think I think that can almost I think that can happen as well, dude. Like I think we can just uh like set like the audio file and uh you know just set it to play and then you know if it cuts off at whatever point then pick it up later on you know make it this playlist and it would be like a holding playlist put in whatever episode we want let it pick up afterwards so it doesn't restart it'll pick up on you know wherever it was left know, off what's wild is you don't even need me for this you can just go to my Podbean and just download the fucking episodes and just take the, true, true, my true. full consent and you can just cherry pick i don't fucking because you know i realized at a certain point that's what i was doing and i'm like Oh, that's how podcasts used to work. People used to download these motherfuckers. So I started naming them. They're, they're shittily named, 
I didn't know until 600 episodes in you're supposed to name your MP3 files properly when you upload them. Whoops. That's what I'm telling you about the Twitter. I had way, way, way too many, way too many tweets in. I had no idea. You'll download some shit and it'll be like really poorly named, sometimes mislabeled possibly, or like, because it's the MP3 file that I would upload, right? Like we're not talking about like the name of the episode. It's the file that you would download. So I didn't know that as a, it's a tip you should learn if you ever get into podcasting on the networks, name your MP3 file, right? But technically you can grab anything you want. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you coming through to, uh, I would love to talk to you more about shit in life. There's definitely more conversations to be had, but I'm glad he came through cause he wasn't the regular guest. He's the guy who came and saved the day. He's the new episode 137. The original guy unfortunately got the vid. So. You couldn't make it. I'm glad to be here, man. So it was, Once I heard there was a second one, I definitely wanted to see if I could uh, step in and help out here. Not, and I'm glad that we could book. Yeah, and definitely, dope. like you're saying, another conversation down the road as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's cool, man. We can definitely have you come back on. Like to me, this is. I mean, I call it an interview. It's the shittiest interview you're ever gonna watch for three hours, as far as conventional interview standards go. But yo, thanks for coming through. You kind of gave us exactly what I hoped for—that marketing game, that fucking business game, that fucking proper shit. Everything else is a ruse to make motherfuckers talk that real shit. And you came through and you delivered, and that's what we love over here. We definitely got them knowledge nuggets, and I'm really happy with how this episode went. All your links are gonna be in the description. We got a little macro and a Twitch that plugs all your stuff. We've been putting that through, so you don't have to worry about being like, "Follow me at." We got you. It's just there. Um, but for and even on the oh, I guess for the podcast people, I guess you can say it for them. I realized enigmatic. Can you say uh, say it one more time for the people? I, I get it confused. Enigmatic electronic entertainment. Run that shit. Follow that everywhere. Um, anyway, we're gonna start the raid and all that stuff. Thank you all for coming through. Do you have any last words for the people? No, man. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, check us out at immortalradio.ca. That's exactly how it uh, sounds. I m m o r t a l radio r a d i o dot c a. Awesome, man. Thanks again for coming through. To the people out there, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, everybody. See you later, guys.